All right, guys. Both of you. Simultaneously. There is there is no letter choosing tonight. None whatsoever. Okay. Guys, we, we have a poll to talk about. Uh, the great burger okay. show off of twenty twenty three. Yes, you're right. Oh that. <laughs> I asked both of you guys before we started recording, like, you guys ready to talk about this intro? You guys are like, what are we going to talk about? I bet it's this. I bet it's that. Neither one of you were anywhere near the most important thing we have to discuss tonight. Man, I should have known. I should have known. So, uh. Jason's just going to leave for this segment. It's fine. Before I read any <laughs> results. <laughs> Um, Justin, do you do you have anything you want to say before I before I go over the results of the poll? I am confident that Burger King got a respectable number of votes. Um, surprisingly, Burger King's not last. Yeah, boy. I really thought at least like surprisingly, Wendy's didn't beat it. I really thought Wendy's would beat Burger King. Yeah, I did do. I know exactly Man. why McDonald's didn't. Because everybody fucking lies about McDonald's. <laughs> and I I could see I could see why that like I could see that it's not anybody's favorite. You know, it's nobody's favorite. But everybody goes there. Everybody. Everybody goes there. And we've talked about it before on this. To me, their best trait is is their consistency. It's, you know, you're going to go get a cheeseburger from McDonald's. You know what that cheeseburger is going to taste like. You know what their fries are going to taste like. You know what you're getting with McDonald's. You know, it it, it is what it is. I get that that doesn't necessarily make it everybody's favorite. But it's where everybody goes. Now, outside of that, uh, yeah, last place was a tie between McDonald's, uh, Checkers, and Wendy's. In certain parts of the country, you might know Checkers also as rallies. So, hmm. they all came up last. Uh, the next place up is uh, Shake Shack. Bigger on the bigger up in the northeast, we have some spattered out through the rest of the United States. But Shake Shack. Next on the list is a two-way tie between just other and Burger King. Quit shaking your head like that's a victory. I'm nowhere near done. <laughs> <laughs> What? I can't be happy about that. Justin, you didn't it's, even it's podium. right there with other, right with having it your way. Other. Yes, yeah, you didn't even podium. Oh, come on. I mean, you've got, let's see. You're, you're tied for fifth. Actually, or sixth, however you want to look at it. You're either tied for fifth or tied for sixth. 
We'll say fifth, and that's very close to being top four. Top five is not bad. But vote top wise, five, Justin, you're not. Optimism. But vote wise, you're you're not you're not near enough. I mean, Justin, if this was a test, you got a seven. Just saying. Anyway. Next, in the top four, actually in the top four. Not near, not almost, not could be, if they work harder. No, actually in the top four, uh, four is uh, in and out. California cult favorite, in and out. Next up, uh, five guys. I was really surprised. Like, I mean, the only thing to me special about five guys is if you order a large fry, you get enough for 19 people. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they yeah, do I have good burgers, say, though. The, the fries are seem like the specialty there, but the burgers are good. They are. Well, to me, they're only, like, good or unique because... They're a little bit more Burger King than Burger King because you can actually have it more your way there than you can at a BK. What did Burger King do to you? I mean, I just it existed don't... at this point. Come on, it existed in its sheer mediocre filth. Oh, come on. But I mean, that, that's kind of it. Like, other than that, I feel like I'm paying way too much money for just a burger that's okay. Um, now, next up, which would be the official second place. Oh, well, I, I should have said Five Guys is the official third place. Uh, second place is a Midwest Classic. With Culver's. Uh, you know, they've got regular burgers. They've also got butter burgers, which if you're going to go to Culver's, do yourself a favor and get a butter burger. But also, on top of all that, they've also got really good chicken strips. And if you go there, get the Frank's Red Hot. I know it's just Frank's Red Hot, but it comes in this big old fucking cup thing. Oh, it's delicious as shit. But Culver's. And then number one, you know, you know, you know what number one was. Justin, what was number one? Why are you asking me? It should have been Burger King, but. But what was it? (laughs) But what was it actually? It was what a burger. It was. By an actual landslide. Oh yeah. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. More than half the people that voted in our poll voted for it. Because it is the king of the fast food burger. (laughs) We did get some really intriguing answers. Uh, You know, some people, if you're familiar with the area of Midland, Texas, you would know Texas Burger. Texas Burger is a good burger. Um. A lot of people from the Austin area brought up P. Terry's. 
Um, one person said their house. I mean, maybe they cook a mean burger, I guess. I don't give a fuck. Like that's, that's distinctly not even in the spirit of the question. How would you say that? Why would you say that? Is what is to be your ass food? I mean, and I, after I read that answer, I went, did I just say burger? No. What is your favorite fast food burger? Apparently their house is, uh, I don't know, a burger chain of some sort. <laughs> One of those others, maybe, in the other section. From back in the day, there used to be a place in Midland that was almost iconic. I don't even know if it still exists. Uh, but do you remember Bob's Better Burger, Justin? Oh, yeah. I remember Bob's. They were good. And I think it's still around. That'd be nice. They had those milkshakes that came in those styrofoam cups that had mm-hmm. a monochromatic beach scene on it. I distinctly remember those cups ever so much. But I can't believe you guys thought we were going to talk about something else. Yeah, that was that was my bad for sure. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I mean... You would need the satisfaction of knowing and discussing Whataburger being number one. I mean, I don't need the satisfaction of knowing it. Because it is known. I mean, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Well, well maybe to, to a certain extent. But I think with most of our followers being out of Texas and... Just the fact that that's kind of a Texas favorite, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with nostalgia as well. You know, a lot of people in Texas grew up with Whataburger. That's they they just think it's all the rage in Texas. So it's not a surprise. It's so much so that when people from out of town visit Texas, I've heard this from several wrestlers. They're like, I got to go get me a Whataburger. And I'm like, why? You know, I I just found it so shocking that they would even care. They were like, because I've just heard from everybody that that's what you, you you know, you got when you go to Texas, you got to have a Whataburger. So it's become that kind of thing. But honestly, I think that's why, you know, if it's, if it's a poll, and most of the people polling are from Texas. They're just going to say that, you know, it, it's a state favorite. So not a surprise. What a burger. Uh, this might be controversial to our Texas fans. What a burger trans transcends fucking Texas people. Like just get the fuck over that now. Not, I'm not, I'm not saying you Jess. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying it does. And I know a lot of people are like mad. They're like, oh, a Chicago company bought Whataburger. And now they're now that they're spreading it other places, it's not as good anymore. People do realize that Whataburger hasn't been in just Texas for a very long time. Like it has gone to other states a long time ago. Like it is not exclusively Texas. I know it is mainly, but it's not exclusive anymore. 
And, you know, just get over it. It's for the world now. It's for the world. <laughs> it's for the world. <laughs> I mean, do you just not like the Whataburgers at all, Jason, or you just don't prefer it over anything else? I never understood what the big deal was, to be honest. And I think that that's just the thing. We're going to talk about nostalgia later. I don't have any nostalgia for it. You know, I didn't, when I grew up, it was like my least favorite. Like whenever, you know, growing up, it was my least favorite burger. Like I didn't want to go there. I either wanted to go to McDonald's or Burger King. Those were my places. And that just kind of stuck with me. And there's, and I've had a few, I guess you could say problems. There was one time I ate what a burger and that's probably what did. It's probably trauma. One time I ate there <laughs> when I was little and I got sick and, you know, eating one of their burgers and I never had a burger from there. It took, it was a long ass time before I, I want to say last year. I, I ate a burger at Whataburger, but, but, and, and I did, I did like a bunless, you know, I just ate the meat and the bacon and whatnot and it was pretty good, but I didn't order burgers from there for the longest time because of that. So when I would go, I would do like the chicken strip sandwich, which I really do like. I like their, the, you know, I prefer to get their chicken. I like the water chicken. I like the, that, that chicken strip sandwich I just mentioned. Those are my go-tos when I go to Whataburger, not a burger. So, you know, I just never had the nostalgia for that. I just never was one of those Texans that kind of grew up like, oh, that's the place. It just wasn't for me. And I think a lot of kids, too. I remember growing up, too, because it was open 24 hours and it was kind of open 24 hours before, like, you know, now McDonald's and Burger King and all that stuff, they find a lot of those places have caught up to the whole 24 hour thing. Although in a lot of cases, their, their dine-in is not open still. I've noticed that, but Whataburger was open 24 hours. So it was a popular place to go after you went to clubs and stuff like that. Nightlifers like Whataburger. So it's like I said, man, I, I think for a lot of Texas people, it's very nostalgic for them because growing up after you went to the club, you went to Whataburger, you know, you, all those late nights after your five fifteen job, you went to Whataburger, you know, you, you didn't have very many options at night. So I think that's another reason for it. It, it, it it's just, it, it, it had all of those things going for it. And, uh, you know, and, and, and growing up being a Texan, uh, that's just what I feel when I hear people talk about it. So, like I said, not surprised at all that it won a vote when most of the voters are Texans. And I get that Whataburger has expanded and stuff, but this is where it made it, you know, but, but it became synonymous a lot with Texas just from being from the chain starting here, growing and everything like that. And it, and that's sort of what its identity was for a long time. So that that's just what I have observed, you know, growing up and just 
being around people that like that place. So that that those seems to be a lot of the common threads that I noticed growing up. You want to hear something crazy? I don't necessarily disagree with you, Justin. (laughs) Yeah. Right down to when I was a kid, I hated Whataburger. Because their default condiment is mustard. Mm. And I used to hate mustard. And I've never been one to want to change things. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't always, I've tried to get better about it. Like at McDonald's, I do get no ketchup on the burgers. I do not like ketchup, you know, and now now I do. I, I, I'm a huge fan of mustard. Mustard on a burger is one of the greatest combinations in the world to me now. But for years, years, I hated Whataburger because it was mustard and honestly, their kids' meals sucked. You didn't get a toy. You got like a fucking cookie. You can get a toy. I don't give a fuck about a cookie. I can eat a cookie at home. <laughs> I can't have toys show up with my meal at home, though. So, no, I get that. I'm right there with you. It was high school. It was when I started going to Whataburger more. Because also, the, my school was terribly close to one you know so we just go there like everybody and all this other stuff and but even then i still didn't get their burgers because like i said i didn't like mustard so i mainly got the chicken strip dinner i ate the fuck out of some chicken strips yeah those are good too with that texas toast and that country gravy that texas toast and the gravy yep yeah i used to eat the fuck out of their chicken strips and then finally in college. And the honey butter chicken well, sandwich. Yeah, I was getting to that. Because then in oh. college, well, at college late at night, you know, you're either out with friends or you're driving drunk friends or any of this other stuff. You could always go sit at a Whataburger at one o'clock in the morning. And Whataburger, and I think this is to me what makes them special and smart, so genius. That 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. breakfast and lunch menu. Oh, that's so fucking genius. So it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I could get a fucking burger and a honey butter chicken biscuit. Oh, it's fucking, that's ingenious. I can get breakfast and lunch. I don't have to choose. And on top of that, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Other places are closed and you're actually giving me more options when your competitors competitors are asleep. Hmm. Oh, fucking genius. And then now, like you said, Justin, like the competitors have caught up. They'll keep their drive-thrus open and all this other stuff. But man, Whataburger still got the lobby open, still got that dine-in. And then on top of that, still got the breakfast. So their competitors caught up a little bit, but not I don't to me not enough. Until I can get a sausage McMuffin with cheese and a quarter pounder with cheese, sitting down at a McDonald's at 3 a.m. at any McDonald's, any of them, 
They're not caught up. Because that's the other thing, too, is it's not like, oh, select Whataburgers. All of them. Just all of them. But yeah, I but with what you said, Justin, I, I wholeheartedly agree. A lot of it's nostalgia for people. A lot of it's childhood memories and all this other stuff. I'm just surprised at how much, to me especially, I love Whataburger. When, like, the first 17 years of my life, I fucking hated it. And now they're marked on you forever. Yeah, now I've got their logo tattooed on my neck. <laughs> but but it's just everything that you said is so true. Like, growing up, especially growing up, like, in certain places in Texas, especially, like you said, being a teenager, being a high school kid in Texas, how could you not wind up there? Like, how could you not have wound up there for a lunch for if you were any kind of social kid, you probably wound up eating at Whataburger. I just don't see how you wouldn't have. Like, I didn't even like Whataburger. And I wound up there hella times because that that was the that was one of the only places to go. Like you said, at 2 a.m., you could get you you could sit there and get you a honey butter chicken. You could get the breakfast menu at 2 a.m., 3 o'clock in the morning. And you couldn't. And I will give them that. You could not do that anywhere else. So it felt special at the time. It was like, man, and even when McDonald's opens up, I can only eat breakfast or I got to wait till, you know, 11 to get to get a Big Mac or whatever like that. Whataburger, whatever you wanted, it was there 24-7. So I will give it to you. They were smart for doing that. And you can tell it was a great idea because then other chains started to follow, but still they're, they're not as flexible as Whataburger. So I, I will give it that. I will give you that. Man, there was one time I was I had to get up early. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Whataburger for breakfast. And because I was like, I had to be at work at like 7 a.m., but I was like up at 5.30 for some other reason. And so I was like, all right, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to go get Whataburger breakfast on my way to work. Man, I got a fucking sausage bob, which is breakfast on a bun for all you people that don't know. With hash browns and a coffee. And then I also ordered a motherfucking green chili double burger with a fries and an iced tea. At fucking six, like 15 in the fucking morning. That to me was the true breakfast of champions. <laughs> that that's <Wow>. literally <laughs> what I would order like at two thirty, leaving the bar. I was like, I'm going to eat this at actual breakfast time. This is crazy. But yeah, I got a full on burger, fries, and an iced tea, and a sausage bar of hash browns and a coffee. Fucking glorious. I mean, that's just, that's unheard of. I didn't think it was possible. And we haven't even spoke about the ketchup yet. The, the They had a unique ketchup, yeah. you know, at the time. Fancy ketchup. M- more places do that now, but at the time, they were the only one. And now that ketchup is iconic. Now you can buy it in the supermarket. Fuck, I think like, like two or three yeah. weeks ago, my shirt was a spicy ketchup shirt. See, there you go. Like, um, 
So, so even though it's not my favorite, let's just say I understand. I get it. I understand. But I also think that's why, like how you said, McDonald's is nobody's favorite, but everybody goes there. Dude, who didn't grow up on McDonald's? Who didn't? When you walk into McDonald's, like, I know we're going to talk about nostalgia in a minute, but McDonald's has a smell. Like, yeah. You walk in there and you you're know right, you're in McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie, I mean. dude. I kind of wish they made a women's perfume, like Ode to Mickey D's. <laughs> That'd be so I'm fucking hot. I'm telling you, right? Smelling, uh, dude, man, a girl, I, I'm telling you, about right? to get down with a girl and she smells like fucking French fries and burgers? Fuck yeah, that'd be glorious. <laughs> Dude, like, it, it it really does. It has a distinct smell, and I think that smell is nostalgic. Like, you just, that smell has been the same for years, and you always know you're in a McDonald's. Sometimes when you're outside and you're near one, you can smell that, and you're like, I smell McDonald's. Like, that's what people would say. <laughs> You know, people, they wouldn't say, I smell that's, a burger yeah, or I smell fries. You say, I smell McDonald's. Like, th- th- that's the crazy thing about it. Like, all of these things just come into play with that. It's like it just triggers something, you know? And, and, and even those golden arches, there's just something, there's just a real familiarity when it comes to McDonald's. Now, don't now don't get me wrong, they have worked painstakingly hard to make it that way for us. That that they want you to impulsively go there and they damn near have accomplished that. But I think but but there is some real shit to that though. Like the the smell, the look, how recognizable it is. It's just one of those things like even if it's not your favorite, I guarantee you probably went there two or three times this month. I bet. And if you didn't, you probably drove by and thought about it. As So of all the burger chains up here, I agree with the Midwest people. Culver's is where it's at. Culver's hands down. When it comes to like pure fast food burger. Yeah. Culver's. I eat McDonald's easily six times as much as I eat Culver's. Like, number one, it's an economical decision. Yeah. McDonald's is way cheaper. And then two, just sometimes, sometimes I just need a Big Mac and some chicken nuggets. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need like that great burger and those like almost gourmet-esque chicken strips. I need a fucking Big Mac and a fucking chicken nugget. I need that no, pink I can't. chicken goo pressed into whatever <laughs> fucking McDonald's nugget shapes they are fried to a crispy golden brown. Yep. With that 10% meat or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just got a taste for it, man. And You're those right, fries, though, man. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, if I've been somewhere late with my best friend and we're like, I'm still kind of hungry. Just want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> just like, I'm really, I, th- I feel like a McDouble would be really nice right now or the fries. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what it is. Every time I'm at McDonald's, it's usually that situation of it's kind of late, but 
I'm kind of feeling this right now. Like, that's totally what it is. I mean, Justin, when you were here in what, September? I think we did that twice just because it's super late and we're like, fuck, we're hungry. You want to go get that McDonald's real quick? All right. Yep. I think I was with you one time you did it. No, you were with us both. It was the one by your house. Was I? You're right. We did do that twice, didn't Mm -hmm. we? Yep, we sure did. Yep. Ordered it on his little app and everything. Just drove up and (laughs) picked it up. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, man, it's super late. Do you want to order here or do you want to try to get into this place or you just want to go home and get McDonald's? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Exactly. Well, but I mean, there's also that point of McDonald's is everywhere. Like, you're just like, I'm just hungry. I need something really quick. Almost on every corner, you're going to see a McDonald's somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's that's very true. But I was just like, man, we're, we're in Chicago. It's considered one of the, you know, and it's suburbs. And it's one of the, the, you know, it's one of the top food cities in America. And it's just like, hey, you, you, you want to go get some McDonald's and just go home? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> sometimes it's all you need. But, but it's true. Sometimes that's just all. That, that's you're just like all exhausted, you but you're like, I know I'm hungry, but I don't have the energy for like a sit down thing. Like McDonald's sounds good. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And you can thank Whataburger for that. Because McDonald's ass wouldn't be open at all at that fucking two o'clock in the morning if it wasn't for fucking Whataburger. All I'm saying. <laughs> you know, and then in uh, some other topics, you know, there's a writer strike. <laughs> Such a hard turn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go into a brief real quick. I'll just kind of give the synopsis for it and all this other stuff. Um, Monday night, or this past Monday night at midnight, uh, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, went on strike. Um, mainly, it's because of streaming. The amount of money that writers get for shit going to streaming is fucking nothing. You write a TV series, you're a writer on it, it goes into syndication. It's getting played multiple times a day throughout the world. You'll make like, you know, you can make a living on almost residuals alone in those instances. It goes to streaming. You get 700 bucks once and call it a day. Wow. You know, so they want to redo the streaming deals. They want better stuff like that. A lot of, a lot of uh, companies are trying to make like writing like a gig economy. Like, they don't want to hire writers for a show. They're like, hey, you can come write this episode. Okay, well, come write this episode. You can't just be a writer on a show anymore. Like, they want to really kind of get rid of that. And, you know, and they're fighting back. Their their contract was up. They're fucking tired of it. And on top of that, too, you know, you can say what you want about whatever. The, the movie studios and the, the television studios didn't come back in good faith. There were like the big points, the points that were like, hey, these are the big points that like have to have legit headway. 
for us to come to a contract and the studios went and looked at it and they went like, and they responded to like half of them. They didn't even respond to what the writers guild was like. These are the most important points. The studio wouldn't even counter offer on some of them. Like wouldn't even accept the offer. It's not like, Oh no, we'll just accept as is. No, we're just ignoring it. They were acting like their counter offer was nothing. So the writers hmm. want to strike. A lot of shows are yeah. going to be affected by it. The reason why they do stuff like this, uh, especially at this time of year, this is when most shows are in the middle of uh, rights for their upcoming season, the beginning of the season. You know, going into the end of the end of end of spring into summer, that's when shows are finalizing the scripts. At least for like, if it's a traditionally run show, they're running those for the first like four or five episodes. Now, you know, you're starting to get your budgets aware. You're trying to get all this stuff made up. You're trying to get stuff planned. So you know what to expect to start your show. Can't really do that right now. Um, this is why also yeah. in 2007, there was a big, big boom in game shows and reality television. Those shows do I not fall that. under Writers Guild stuff. So that's the easiest way to not just show reruns is game shows and uh, reality television. Because even talk shows are handled a lot by writers. You know, most late night shows especially can't air because they don't have right. Like they can't do monologues. They can't do any of the stuff they're normally yeah. used to doing. You know. Yeah, I remember seeing something on, um, there was some thread on Twitter, I think, where people were like, you know, this is garbage, this sucks that the writers are going on strike. And they reached out to um, Quinta Brunson, who wrote Abbott Elementary. And um, they were just like, you know, please, you know, talk to these people to get them to still do your show or something like that. And she's like, I, I write the show. No, I'm not doing it. Like this is important. This is a big deal. And it, it needs, this needs to happen. So I'm not just for the sake of, Oh, I want my show on air. Like I write it. So I, this is important, you know? And I thought that was really cool that she did that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff, you know, as much as it's one of those weird things, uh, there's kind of like an anecdotal story of, uh, one of the writers for, I want to say the bear, uh, went to the Emmys and ultimately won the Emmy for like best comedic series or whatever comedic writing. It was specifically for writing was one of the writers that won an Emmy for it. Going to the Emmys at the time, they had a negative balance in their bank account because they were, weren't even really making ends meet being a writer on a show like that. The show that's being recognized so much that it's at the Emmys to win awards and the writers are barely making any money on it. You know, a lot of people don't realize that like when you see like, or you hear about a show's uh, showrunner showrunner for the most part is a kind of a fancy word for head writer. So, you know, when game of Thrones announced or HBO announced for game of Thrones, 
don't worry, guys. They're still going to film because they're in the middle of filming season two right now. And they're like, don't worry, guys. We can still film. All the scripts were finalized. But then you kind of lose your showrunner. You kind of lose a lot of things. You technically can't have anybody get a writing credit for a script change now without a writer or without them being like, you know, with some of that stuff. So it gets real messy real fast that, you know, that even the studios think that they can't do it. And it's also, it's one of those things that we kind of hear a lot. Like the studios are crying poor. They're like, guys, we just, we don't make as much money as we used to. We can't possibly pay for new media like we used to. We just can't possibly do it. The CEO of HBO, you know, CEO of Time Warner, owns HBO, CNN, and all that shit. That motherfucker made $250 million last year. $250 million. I know a quick place where you can find a little bit of money for some writers. Just saying. Right. Yeah. There's lots of places you can get money to pay your writers. That's just kind of a quick, quick overview of the writer's strike. So we'll see. Who knows? I hope it gets resolved quickly. And personally, I I hope the fucking writers get what they they're asking for. Yeah, they should. They're 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 just as important to any story out there than anything else. I mean, you don't have that creative writing if you don't have that story. You don't have what what content do you have? So I, it's definitely important, man. I'm rooting for him. Anyway, you guys, you guys ready to talk about the good old days? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> the yesteryears, if you will. Yeah. All right. Here's our theme song. Anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Was that like a crazy magic magic trick, people? Like the logo happened and I disappeared? <laughs> and then I was like yep. listening. Oh, uh, to it play over my headphones, but I was like nowhere near, and I'm like, "Fuck, I gotta get back over there." <laughs> anyway, hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with nostalgia. You thought I fucked up, didn't you? I didn't. I knew what I was, was doing. Good. That was good. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about nostalgia. I put a survey out on the, the Facebook and all that stuff. And just to kind of ask people's thoughts on nostalgia. So we're going to kind of answer those questions ourselves. 
We're going to get your little Cinefan comments in there, too. We're just going to talk about nostalgia. We're, we've been talking about nostalgia so much lately. You've got your Marios. You've got your funny or sad Draculas. You've got your uh, Evil Dead movies. It's just been a nostalgia central lately. So, and you weren't yeah. on the episode, Justin, but then D&D. Yep. You know, so we were, it's just been nostalgia, you know, left and right. We're going to get some more this weekend with Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I know we've done an episode on nostalgia before, but I think, I think this one is uh, going to be a little different. So with all that, I guess, yeah, let's answer, let's answer our own questions that, uh, that I, I did that we asked these Cinefans themselves. So let's, let's uh, start with you, Heather, cause you're at the top of my screen, uh, screen in this little, little Skype session here. Uh, so what movie Heather brings the most nostalgia for you? Uh, that is a tough question because I have a few that I would say are kind of there, but the first one that came to mind for me was adventures in babysitting. Um, because that is the first movie I ever remember watching. It's also (laughs) the first movie that like we had it recorded on VHS and it was without a doubt my favorite movie until I was probably in, you know, junior high. Like I loved that movie. So I think for me, you know, I have very specific memories of, you know, certain times when I would ask for that movie to be what we watched. And um, my brother and I were just always like, we would always do this thing where we would say, okay, we're going to, you know, pick a list of movies that we want to watch and then we're going to narrow it down. And then we're going to go through the list and, we're going to each, you know, take a movie away until it got to the last one. So like, I feel like I always put adventures in babysitting in that list of movies that I wanted to watch all the time. And yeah, it was just, I, I just remember it just being a fun movie that like I had seen over and over and over again. So I think for me, that would be my, my movie that definitely is the most nostalgic for me. Jason, what about you? <laughs> hey, are you trying out for to be an AW commentator or something? I was, look, all right, look, I've got the beard, I've got the bald head. I was just trying to do a very solid Paul White impression. Oh, okay. <laughs> got it. <laughs> well, well, where's your broadcast colleague to go? JT, just call him JT, man. Just call him JT. I was He's waiting on Heather to do it, but she didn't do it. So what, what can I do? Uh, I was thrown off. Sorry, guys. Man, this is this was kind of a hard question for me because there are just so many movies and so many things where I could say that I draw a lot of nostalgia for it from it. Um, Some of those older Disney movies like Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, really, really nostalgic for me. Cause I used to watch those just over and over and memorize lines and stuff like that. So every now and then when I see a clip from one of those things, that line, 
you know, I'll see a, I'll hear a line or something will sound familiar to me just from pure, just from pure, watching it so much. And I'll be like, oh, there's that scene or, oh, there's that line or those voices are real, just that they really stand out in my head, the voice actors that played those characters. So the the, the Disney ones would have probably been one of the answers, but but I really tried to just dig deep and go, okay, just narrow it down to one. What is the one? What is the one movie? And maybe this will be weird, but I don't know. I went all the way back to E.T., man the 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 extraterrestrial um i i just have so many distinct memories of that like just the the music is a big one for me when i hear certain music like the bicycle chase or just some of that stuff i just remember that the 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 elliot et fingers touching the, I, I just you know they're just i have vivid memories of that and anytime I see anything or that that's mentioned or something like that I just um I I can't help but think about it Uh, a couple of years ago and I forget what company did it I want to say I want to say it was maybe infinity but they did a commercial a, a, a Christmas commercial with E.T., where E.T. comes back and Elliot is grown up now and he's got a family and everything like that. And E.T. comes back to visit him for Christmas. And man, the feels that that gave me, like just that they played a lot of the original music from the film. There were moments where E.T. was kind of having moments with the kids, with Elliot's kids and Elliot's sitting there watching him and at the end, you know, when E.T. is going back to the ship and the family's standing there watching him and they hug him and everything like that. And I'm not going to lie, man, it, it kind of pulled at the heartstrings a little bit. I was just sitting there going, why did they make this commercial? So I don't know that they kind of got me with that a little bit, man. But I mean, I think that that is probably like one of just the quintessential definitions of nostalgia for me. Like E.T. just... You, you know, just that whole thing about a guy a being in a strange place and finding a connectivity with a person and becoming a friend with that person. And y'all just kind of having this special bond. And even though you're different, you know, you got this other person that understands you and cares about you. I'm all for that shit. So, yeah, I, I would say E.T. is probably going to be my answer, even though there's a myriad of, of answers. But. We'll go with that one tonight. When it comes to nostalgia, this was not that hard for me. Because I don't have a lot of movies that bring that out in me anymore. The funny thing is, is if this was a year ago, I probably would have just hands down unequivocally just said, Ghostbusters. It's not really that new for me anymore. That movie's kind of died for me. Uh, and then so why just, is that? Is there a why has that died for you? Do you think? Um, part of it. I think part of it was the new movie. 
the the fact that it was just a nostalgia bomb. I don't like that. Like, because if I if I want to relive that, I'll, I'll I'll just go watch that. I don't I don't need your movie that's like so many years later to be like, hey guys, do you remember this scene? Just in case, I'm gonna show you that scene over and over and over again. And then you know, there's kind of all the stories of Bill Murray being a gigantic scumbag. You know, yeah, that, that was going to be my guess. And then you hear all the like kind of Ernie Hudson's kind of terrible time on the first movie. That the original part of Winston, when it was written for Eddie Murphy, was just like this, you know, a character throughout the whole movie, big integral part of the whole thing. And they're like, oh, Eddie Murphy dropped out. We'll get Ernie Hudson. Oh, yeah. And you know those lines you thought you were going to say today, Ernie Hudson? No, we took those out or we gave them to other people. And then, oh, we'll we'll still give you some lines, though. And then they go and greatly diminish the character. And I didn't like that either. Because my favorite Ghostbuster has and always will be Winston. I've always loved Winston. I mean, so much so that in the original Ghostbusters video game, he wasn't even a playable character. They kind of really just shat on him. And I hated that because to me, with that type of story, the most interesting character is and always will be, for a lack of a better word, the normie. They're all scientists that deal with paranormal this and that and blah, blah, blah. He's just a fucking guy from New York. You know, I've always just kind of dug that whole. Like, do you believe in this and this and this and this and this? He goes, hey, you're going to pay me, right? I believe whatever the fuck you want. I respected that mentality. Even as a kid, I just I, I always dug that that frankness of it all. And plus, there was that whole thing of, I've seen shit that'll turn you white to the mayor. I always dug that. And then you hear all that stuff, and then it just kind of dulls the shine. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I There will still always be like that kind of thing of, I'll still go watch Ghostbusters here and there. Because like I said, I I still dig the character Winston. I liked that they gave him more to do in the second movie. I liked that in the Game Boy game of Ghostbusters 2, you could play as any of the Ghostbusters. And I always played as Winston. Now, you always got to get a teammate, you know, as you found them, you know, but you always got to select your one. And then as you went, you could find others, you know. I always played as Winston. And, you know... I'm actually somewhat maybe kind of looking forward to this next Ghostbusters movie a little bit just because Winston's going to play a big part in it. He's like, you know, he's going to be like the the bankroller of the new Ghostbusters. So you got more Winston? Yeah, I might show up for that. But in general, it's kind of lost its shine. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, there's only two movies 
that are older movies like that that genuinely still to this day have not lost their shine. So, yeah, I've got two because I never play by the rules. But I think they're equal. And that's Jaws and Jurassic Park. Those two movies still, to me, hold up. And a lot of it has to do not necessarily, like in the, in the case of Jaws, it's not even necessarily special effects or any of that. It's it's still, to me, almost a lesson in just near-perfect story writing. That first, that, that Jaws is just almost a damn near-perfect script. And I know I said that when we did that, when we talked about Nope. Because I was like, nope is almost beat for beat Jaws. But it works. And it just shows kind of how that there's almost a universal formula to Jaws. It doesn't have to be a shark. It doesn't have to be this or that. Like you can tell that story with any number of things. And it kind of shows that it works. But you can add new ideas to it. You can freshen it up. You can modernize it. And it still works. And then there's just Jurassic Park. Which, any flaws in its story and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Weirdly enough, its special effects hold up just so well. I know you can still see a difference when they do the CGI dinosaurs and this and that. But I've seen a lot worse CGI from a lot newer movies. And that kind of blows my mind. And there's just still something about, I remember sitting in a movie theater and seeing what are damn near almost looking like at the time, what we thought were realistic dinosaurs. Before that dinosaurs were that claymation stop motion shit. If you saw them. Yeah, it holds up. Yeah. You know, you got to, if, you know, especially when they did those big ass animatronic fucking dinosaurs. I was like, that it's there. And I just remembered the sitting in the movie theater and experiencing that for the first time. It's still, it's, I still feel that when I watch that movie. Yeah, it honestly still holds up. I saw it again like a few years ago and I was like, this is still good. This is still very good. Yeah, so for me, those are the two that on like a purely nostalgic level like still kind of sit there. You know, I mean... And and I guess I should expand on Jaws just a hair more because what I said was like, oh, it's universal and it's still like there. So that kind of is not nostalgia by saying it's universal and, you know, kind of actually negates nostalgia. But I loved Jaws so much as a kid that I watched all the sequels. And in doing so, forced myself to love the sequels. I, to this day, contend that Jaws the Revenge is not a 0% movie. 
as Rotten Tomatoes would say. <laughs> God. I think it's just a fine watch. It's shitty, but it's a fine watch. <laughs> and I do still contend to this day also that if they had kept the novelization in the original script and that he was a fucking goddamn voodoo shark, cinema fucking masterpiece. Yeah. I say that as I rub my voodoo shark tattoo. Thank you, Jaws the Revenge. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So that's where the nostalgia ties in to Jaws. I'll I'll still go watch. I'll watch Jaws 3. I'll watch Jaws terrorize SeaWorld. And then somehow end up (laughs) also being... I don't know, the size of a fucking Boeing 747 randomly at the end. (laughs) And I've got no problems with it. Other than the movie sucks, but I'll watch it. So that's where nostalgia ties in there. Um, You guys got any more thoughts about that? Just general aspect before... We move on to it not being our comments on it. Uh, no. No, I'm good. Um, were there any uh, Cinefan nostalgia movies that maybe surprised you or you agree with or you see or... Anything One that like I that. agreed with that definitely stuck out to me was, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said Teen Witch. And I, I saw that and I was like, yes, I remember absolutely loving that movie as a kid. Like Teen Witch was, was my jam back then. So I was like, yes, that took me back. And I was kind of bummed out that I didn't think of that one. In the moment, but yeah, Teen Witch was a great choice. That's definitely a nostalgic movie for me as well. Oh, I'm running around now. I'm like, I don't remember seeing that one. It was on Jastin's, I think. Jastin's post. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for it. Oh, oh Don Spencer. Mm. Yeah. That's like the first fucking one. How did I not see that? I kind of get that. I mean, there's still movies that I'll go back and watch. For just like a a dumb watch. And and Team Witch is one of those. Because that movie's fucking dumb. It is so (laughs) unbelievably fucking dumb. Yes, but I loved it. Oh, it's, it's fantastic, though. Like, just the idea of just some of the shit in that, like, that she just wakes up one day and it just is a witch. And, you know, is able to go get on, on, you know, backstage and, like, use magic. Like, it's the type of shit, like, and I think this is one of the things I do realistically appreciate about this movie. If you were a teen that was, like, a nerd... And you all of a sudden had magical powers. And it'd be like, well, yeah, I'm going to make myself popular. I'm going to get a jean jacket from a pop star. 
and my mean teacher is going to, you know, get punished. You know, it's that type of shit. I'm going to love me. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what a teenager would do. Just teen witch things. That's exactly what they would do for sure. (laughs) Turn my little, my, my mean little brother into a dog. Right. You know, like I'm maybe like, yeah. that's why I liked it so much because I was like, you know what, relatable, especially <laughs> in the eighties. That exactly, that's exactly how a teenager in the eighties would act. Correct. So to me, yeah. it is also one of the most realistic movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, I guess in a way, it kind of is. I mean, there's some of these. Oh, I mean, this one, I. I feel like is just kind of almost speaks to Justin's soul a little bit. The guy did say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Yeah. And I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if he's talking about the movie, definitely that you definitely get nostalgic vibes from that. Just, mm-hmm. I remember that opening with the the beginning where it goes down into the sewer and you hear them like, running and laughing and stuff like that. And it kind of slowly shows them like all of that was really cool, you know, at the time. And it was, and it was kind of one of those first instances I remember where I went from watching a cartoon and now look, they're on the screen and they're and they look real and they look at their, you know, the skin and the costumes and stuff like that. And I just remember at the time being so, I just thought it was so crazy that they were real looking. You know what I mean? Because all I was used to was the cartoons, you know, and and the comics. So seeing them in movie form, Mm -hmm. even at the time, that felt like a special event. And I think that that's something that isn't always considered or, or maybe it is when it comes to nostalgia for some people. But I think sometimes, too, a lot of it just has to deal with maybe that was your first experience seeing something or experiencing something or maybe experiencing those specific feelings like that in a movie theater. Because for me, that's what that was. It was like, oh, look, this cartoon has come to life. Mm-hmm. So it just was that in and of itself made it special before you get to what the plot was or do the jokes land or any of that kind of stuff. It was just awesome to be in the theater and be like, wow, look at, look at what they look like. And I think that sometimes that goes understated too. just that, just seeing this come to life. You know what I mean? No, that's a very fair assessment. And one thing I will specifically say about that original movie is they did this smart thing of don't try to make them look like realistic turtles. Make them look like realistic versions of the cartoon. Yes, that that is very important yeah. to say. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, don't make them look like turtles that are now humanoid. Just make it a real-life version of the cartoon. Like, they aren't, like, yeah, they yep. look like turtles, but, you know, they also look like people and this and that. Like, just make that. And it was, and it yeah. worked very well. Yeah. No, they. I think that that still looks good. Those those turtle suits from the first movie still look good. And then somehow, 
by the time they got to the third movie, fuck, they look like shit. Turtles, what is it? (laughs) Yeah, Ninja Turtles 3 looks fucking terrible. They look like cartoons at that point. I just don't understand that choice. I don't either. (laughs) I don't either. And it's just crazy because now their looks from that original movie that, that he's talking about, that the, the, the movie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle look is now iconic. I think like when you see that when you see somebody dressed up in that costume, you know exactly what that costume is. I see it sometimes when I go to cons and stuff like that, that there are these guys that travel around and do the whole Ninja Turtles act. And those are the costumes that they have. They're, they're replicas of the ones from that first movie. So it's just crazy. Just how recognizable Though those costumes have become and, and, and that whole concept that you're talking about where you don't need to make like the, make them look like turtles just because it's real life. Just the, the choice to make them look like just a real version of the cartoon. That concept, I think even carried over more today or, or or maybe not today as in right now, but a few years back, that made me think about Sonic the Hedgehog and the first design that they did for him when that first movie was about to come out and they tried to make him look like more like a real hedgehog, but blue and stuff like that. And people shot it down. They were like, no, just make him look like he does on the video game, but just, you know, let him have real fur, but let him have, you know, those, those live action details, but he needs to look like he does from the games. So even today you can kind of find examples of that. You know, sometimes if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know? No, that's a very good point. I do think though, Uh, when it comes to nostalgia though, if I'm going to get nostalgic about anything with the Ninja Turtles, though, it's it's Ninja Turtles Two: Secrets of the Ooze. I, I was literally weirdly, about to say if I'm <laughs> going to get soft nostalgic, spot for that one, if I'm going to get nostalgic, it's for that one, man. I mean, to me, it's got one of the most iconic lines in cinema history. When they're searching for Raph in that junkyard, and Leo goes, "It's quiet, a little too quiet," and then Mikey follows up with like, "It's Ralph or it's Raph." A little too raff. Fuck, yeah. that is an amazing line. <laughs> that is fucking glorious writing. Yeah, I, I have a soft that. spot for that movie. I loved that one of the Ninja Turtle movies. Plus, it starts with a montage of just New Yorkers eating New York style pizza. Fuck, that is glorious. Mm-hmm. And then I love Toka and, and, and Razor. I love them. Yep. Yep. And. I mean, and the, and we're not even mentioning Vanilla Ice or Ninja freaking. Ninja, I mean, ninja, come on, Ninja. Rap, Who doesn't go know ninja, that? Go Ninja. Yes, go. man. Every now and then, <laughs> like every now and then, which I haven't listened to the radio in a while, just because I have podcasts and stuff now that I kind of listen to in the car. 
But man, I can remember on several occasions just growing, just driving home. And I mean, years later, every now and then some DJ would be on the radio and he would throw that ninja rap in there. You know what I mean? Every now and then you would hear it. Like, especially like on hip hop stations and stuff. Every now and then a DJ would throw that in. Go, 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 ninja, go, ninja, go. Uh, 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 uh. Like every now and then I w- they, yeah. they would mix it in, you know, and I would be like, oh, shit, ninja rap. You know, like you can't help but just kind of rock your head to it. And that's nostalgic, nostalgic, too. I mean, well, I think we're also missing the elephant in the room when it comes to that scene that in movie, like in the story of the movie. Vanilla Ice is freestyling that. (laughs) He's coming up with all of that off the dome. Complete with synchronized choreographed dancing. With him and his dancers. All freestyled because he was inspired by the Ninja Turtle ninja-ness going on at his concert. (laughs) Yep. I mean, you know. <laughs> yep. I mean, come on, man. I like all of that stuff. And then Super Shredder. I mean, come on. He was mm-hmm. only in it. Kevin for, Nash um, himself. Yep, Kevin Nash. And, and and I didn't know that that was Kevin Nash for a while. And then I found out it was him. And I was like, man, now that makes that even more badass. And even though he was only in it for a few seconds. Um, still super shredder has just become a thing that that made it to video games. You got to fight super shredder. That is that concept of super shredder has come back. Even in some of the newer movies, he becomes a super shredder form like that stuck. And it was only just a minute. I mean, I don't even know if it was even 30 seconds. They didn't that he even was on fight. screen. Yeah, they didn't even fight him. He destroyed everything around that bay and and sort of kind of destroyed himself. Though, now that I think about it, I I think at the time I was like, man, that was kind of lame. They didn't even fight him. But do you know how refreshing of an idea that that was? That the the villain just kind of goes absolutely berserk and it was them, them being ninjas they escaped danger. You know, it was about them escaping danger and using their surroundings and getting out of there more than it was, you know, punching the bad guy. So it's kind of refreshing now when I look back at it. Oh, yeah. You know, now it's not as lame. (laughs) There's only just one big missed opportunity, though. In the Super Shredder scene, they also should have taken the most iconic line from the video game. And he should have oh. said, tonight I dine on turtle soup. Turtle soup. And just started on thrashing. Soup. Yeah. Then, then it would have just damn near been perfect. But yeah, man. Oh, man. All kinds of nostalgia with Ninja Turtles. All kinds. I mean, and then there's there's other movies people said that it's weird that to me, I just don't even like view it as nostalgia. And maybe that's just me because I'm like, is it nostalgia or is it just the fact that it's just a good movie? Mm-hmm. Like one person said true lies. 
And I'm like, is it nostalgic to like True Lies? Or was it just the fact that it's a fantastic movie? I love that movie. Yeah. 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 It, the, that was not when I saw that, I went, oh, I just kind of shook my head like, okay, cool. But yeah, nothing about that rings like, like you said, nostalgic for me. I mean, that's a good movie. You know, you react positively when 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 that's mentioned or you hear that. But there's nothing about it that like rings nostalgic for me. Like I'm trying to think about scenes and stuff. You know, I remember the scene with the big fighter jet, the the helicopter, uh, the building and all of that. Um, when Jamie Lee Curtis was dancing on him and stuff like, but, but nothing, you know, I, I remember certain scenes, but there's nothing like, oh, I felt it's just not the same. It's not the same kind of magic. There, there's definitely magic in the movie. Like the movie's great, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? I, I'm not feeling anything. I, mean, I, I get what you're saying with that. And I think that that's the the funny thing about nostalgia. It can be like weirdly a personal and universal thing. Like there can be universal nostalgia, but then also personal nostalgia with it. Because like, Something like Ninja Turtles is weirdly universally nostalgic for almost anybody our age. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always some memory associated with something Ninja Turtles in some way, shape, or form. But then, like, you have that weird personal nostalgia because it could be that weirdly, like, that guy, and like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know this person. I think he's one of your friends, Justin. It's just maybe his sexual awakening was Jamie Lee Curtis pole dancing, like, in that hotel room. It might be her best role though. Let's be real. She was great in that movie. It could be, but yeah, but you know, and it, it, maybe that's it. And so maybe that's like the, the, the memory that associates with it. But I, I guess that's why is it's not like, I don't have like a memory or a feeling associated with true lies. I just go, Oh, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not like, man, I remember the first time I saw true lies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have that association anywhere with it. I just have, yeah. oh, it's a good movie. Yeah. Mine yeah. was pretty niche. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Mine's, like, mine's. I think mine is borderline, like I said, those universal nostalgic moments. Because it's like Jurassic Park. Yep. Like, if you were a kid in 1993 and you saw Jurassic Park in the movie theater... You've probably got like a similar similar memory to me. Oh yeah. Of Jurassic Park. You know. Yeah. Um I guess let's move on to TV shows so we don't completely dominate all this. Um All right, Justin, what about you? What's a nostalgic TV show for you? Man, it's definitely going to be a lot of the um, older shows. And I was going back and forth with what should I say, man, because I've got some animated show nostalgia and then I've got some live action, like real people TV show nostalgia. And a lot of people were listing off stuff like full house, family matters, stuff like that. So since 
a lot of cinema fans were mama. I saw mama's family and I was like, Oh shit, mama's family. I was just surprised to see that in there. But, um, uh, but since we had so many people comment on those things, I'm going to go the other way and, and talk about some of the animated stuff that I really like. Nickelodeon had a lineup back in the morning, Nick Jr., and man, they just had a stellar lineup. That wasn't where I thought you were going when you said Nickelodeon. You thought I was going to go like what? Like the... I thought you were going to go maybe closer to the Snick Nickelodeon with like your uh, Rugrats. Like your All Real Monsters, Rugrats, Doug. I thought that's where you were going to go. Yeah. All that, yeah, yeah. That, no, no. Snick when you said tight. Nickelodeon, I legitimately, especially when you brought up animated Nickelodeon, I went straight to Snick Nickelodeon. <laughs> Interesting. I, I bet that differs for different people, but man, I was more thinking like when I was like younger, younger, and it was like David the Gnome, Muppet Babies, Eureka's Castle, um, Gummy Bears, freaking Gummy, yep, Gummy Bears. Like, man, I used to love all of those cartoons just growing up. That, man, Saturday Morning Nick was my shit. But you were right. Snick was tight, too. Snick was on and popping. Like, when you got home from school in the afternoon, I mean, there was just so much to watch. Clarissa explains it all. I mean, there was a lot of stuff on uh, 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 during that Snick slot. But but um but but Fox had a lineup too, man. I, I mean, um, Fox had you know like especially like '90s me. I mean, I couldn't get enough of Fox, man, with the Batman animated series, the Spider Man, the X Men. I mean, they had Power Rangers was on Fox at the time. Like they had so many freaking television shows and man all of those television shows just do something for me man anytime and disney too chippendales rescue rangers all of that good stuff like anytime i hear those themes it just gives me those feelings man it just takes me back if i hear that spider-man theme if i hear that x-man you know we talked about that during the doctor strange movie you know how that was all nostalgic and shit but yeah like a lot of that, those older animated movies, uh, movies, television shows and stuff like that, I have a super soft spot for all of those. And I think Doug, last thing I'll say about it, Doug on, on Nickelodeon, that was probably one of my absolute favorite shows. I freaking loved Doug. I loved all the characters. Um, Doug was definitely me, man, like this nerdy, you know, high school kid trying to figure it all out and being afraid to talk to girls and finally mustering up the courage and having those a few friends that were like, you know, and and then the sibling and the parents and all that. That was a super relatable show for me. And the animation was distinct. It was just different, like, especially at the time, um, very unique looking characters, just very memorable so Doug, Doug is another yeah. one. Yeah, that that stands out to me. He used to imagine himself as a superhero. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Quail Man and all that stuff. Like who didn't do some of that stuff, you know, growing up? So I was just all about Doug. 
growing up. And something about Doug. That show was full of bangers. Man, when you yes. think of killer tofu, uh, drumming on a trash can, uh, <laughs> think big. on a street light. Yep. Dude, yep. those fucking songs <laughs> bang. Like, they even do. now. Yeah. Even now. I mean, if, if they were to come out with, like, a, you know, that that drumming on a trash can, uh, that, 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 that fucking works now. Like, right <laughs> yeah. now. I get it. It does, dude. I get it. It does, dude. Honestly, even the theme song was really catchy. So, Mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Like, man. And and then they did funny satire of stuff, too. Like one time they were playing video games that I think it was called the Super Pretendo or something like that. And like, (laughs) like, you know, they did funny little just satires of different things and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't all risque like the Simpsons. It was definitely a lot lighter and everything like that. Um, But I found it funny, man. I found it interesting. And then he had a journal that he would write in and stuff. I mean, it, it was just a very, I thought it was a very unique show at that time. And I think, I want to say, was that the first male to have like a journal, like to be writing a kind of like a diary no. or Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser. Yeah. Mm. Doogie Hauser, MD. Damn, talk about some nostalgia. Right. Now, we didn't, we didn't, <laughs> man, we didn't get funny. that answer tonight. <laughs> as soon as you were like, is he the first male to have a journal? And I think you saw me shake my head. And as I'm reaching to hit like the unmute button, you like it clicked on you too. You realize yeah. it clicked on you, like yeah, it's Doogie Hauser. Yep, yeah, Doogie Hauser, MD. Oh, that was the shit too. Okay, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let somebody um, else go. <laughs> I just want to comment on one thing though uh, about what one of the things you brought up, and that's David the Gnome. And I feel like not enough people remember that show. Oh man, and. I also, don't actually. I don't think anybody really remembers how tragic that show ends. Because the ending, the series finale of David the Gnome, for anybody that out there, I don't give a fuck about spoilers. That shit's like 30 something years old. Get the fuck with it. Yeah. The show ends with him and his wife dying. Because like gnomes live to a certain age of like 900 or something like that. And it's like his mm-hmm. 900th birthday. And oh, no. Him and his wife just go off into gnome deathland. Like it's like a, I think it's like oh, a glowing man. light coming out of a tree and they just walk into it. Mm-hmm. They just like, Oh, it's, it's that time. And they oh, just, man. Walk, that's how that show ends. And it is strictly a children's show. It wasn't like, it's like anything else. No, this was a child show. Like you said, Justin, in the Nick junior time frame of day. Was it like one of those? let's learn lessons show all the time for kids. Like I don't remember the show at all. It wasn't like, Oh, this is the lesson today. I mean, it kind of like, yeah, they always had little lessons and stuff like that, but it was just kind of a folklore thing. It was just gnomes. And they, they, there were these trolls. God, I remember those fucking trolls. And yeah, you know, and he would ride around on his little Fox and shit like that. And like Swift. Yeah. Swift, you know? (laughs) And yeah, the show ends with him just Walking off into death. Child shows yeah. hit different, man. 
They really do. I mean, not to say that, like, and I, I don't mean that in a way of, like, oh, kids today. No, because there are shows today that really do tackle real shit, like telling kids, hey, you feel this way, it is perfectly okay to feel this way. Like, yeah. your feelings are your feelings. I think that that is such an important thing to teach children. Yeah. And, yeah, we yeah. used to have that with Mr. Rogers. But then it kind of went away. Like, there wasn't mm-hmm. anything for a long time that really kind of showed kids that stuff. And, yeah, I think, like, I want to say there are shows nowadays that, like, you know, even things like sensory overload and not being able to, like, put your feelings into words and how that still means your feelings are valid. Uh I, like kids shows today, like tackle things like that. And you're like, Oh fuck. Like that's real shit. Like, so I, I'm not trying to take away from kid shows or anything like that. I'm just saying, I don't know any other kids show out there that just ends with your main character walking into death. The closest <laughs> I can think of is the, um, uh, what is that dinosaur show? Um, dinosaurs. Just dinosaurs, yes, right? Right. Yes, when it ends with the meteor that shower that kills all <laughs> yes. dinosaurs, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's the only one I can think of that was that way, man. But like, I remember that, like, when you talked about Doug Jastin, like in my head, the very first thing that I thought of was one. There was an episode where he was like, I'm, "It might have been the same episode where he's trying to figure out something to wear to a party, and his closet is full of just like the same outfit." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what yeah. am I going to wear? I always remember that. And then I remember that he's at this party and I think he's thinking that he's going to like kiss a girl for the first time. And so I just remember that he's like sitting over there and he's like, I'm just going to stick to carrots tonight. And he's just like eating all the carrots because he doesn't want to have whoa. like bad breath. Whoa, when he whoa, kisses whoa. Her. It's not kissing a girl. It's the kissing. Girl. It's kissing Patty fucking mayonnaise. Put right, some right, respect right. Yes. on that name. The girl. <laughs> I couldn't actually remember who he was going to be kissing, but I just remember that. There's no part. one else that Doug, that Doug funny is going to kiss. <laughs> True. Yeah. Patty mayonnaise. Yeah. Heather, keep going. Your turn. <laughs> it's see, and TV shows is a lot harder too, because like, I mean, honorable mention for me though is like the lamb chops show <laughs> i used oh. to watch that all the time as a kid and like when my my mom worked at this um pizza restaurant and like when we had to be in the restaurant before school that was always on the tv and i always remember watching that so that's my honorable mention but i think for me honestly one of mine is going to have to be friends and it's actually more specifically because of the fact that that's the first TV show that I remember on my own, like watching it and deciding that I wanted to watch that show. Like it was the show that I wasn't like, oh, I heard about it from somebody else. You know, somebody else told me to watch this or whatever. I just remember somehow coming across it on the TV and just thinking it was really funny from the very first episode I saw. I remember the first episode I saw. I remember where I was. I was at my aunt's house. And like, I just remember being like, this is a funny show. And it's something I like for myself. I didn't know at that time, anybody else who watched it. But for me, I was like, this is the first show that I'm watching where it's like, no, I just like the show and I just want to keep watching it. 
So for me, I think that's why that's nostalgic for me because it was my first time remembering having my own personal opinion about a show before I even knew what the show was for anybody else. So I think that was a pretty cool experience for me in that regard. Um, And then I am going to break the rule like Sterling did, but my other one is actually going to be the show living single because (laughs) it was, I loved that show because there was always like that block on, I want to say it was like, was it UPN was the channel it used to be called or something like that. Um, yeah, that's UPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have like a block of shows in a row that always came on late at night before I was going to bed when I probably should have already been in bed. And Living Single was always like a back-to-back where they would show like two episodes at a time of Living Single. And I just remember thinking it was so funny. But it was also another thing. For me, a lot of my mis- my nostalgia comes from memories I have with specific people in my family And so for that, um, (laughs) that was one where I, my mom, that was the first time that I remember like understanding what her humor was because my mom thought that show was so funny. My mom hated sitcoms, but she loved that show. And I just remember like a very specific time of it was storming and it was thunder out. And like, there was no way I was getting to sleep because I was terrified of the thunderstorm and like we stayed up watching Living Single and it was just the cool, like it was just a really cool memory that I, I remember. And it was the only like sitcom she could actually stand watching because <laughs> she's like, this is dumb. This is dumb. I don't want to watch this, but this is funny. So we would watch that. So I think for me, that's why those have to be my two of like real nostalgia for me as far as important moments for me, I think. So yeah, those are, I mean, and they're great shows. I think they're kind of similar. I mean, they're about friend groups and relationships and stuff like that. Like they have a very similar tone and, you know, storyline to them in that regard. And that wasn't even really, I didn't even think about that till recently, but yeah, I mean, they're just like those like kind of more adult shows for whatever reason stuck with me more in, even in my childhood. One thing I want to just before you go, Sterling, just really quickly, because when she said like a memory of watching something with someone in your family and stuff like that, I, I don't know why, but you you triggered something. And I, I just remember being a kid and my grandmother used to be like, come in here and watch Matlock with me. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, Matlock. <laughs> what is Matlock? <laughs> what is Matlock? My aunt did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. She'd be like, go in here and watch Matlock. And I'm like. Those old relatives. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, what what the hell is Matlock? But (laughs) Matlock was tight, man. It was this lawyer guy. And he would go. I kind of liked it. He would. Yeah. He would solve all these. He would like have these clients and have to like defend these people and stuff like that. And it was actually like a good (laughs) show. And now that I think about it. Now I am such like a a fan of like crime stuff and documentary stuff and that kind of stuff. And I want to say my grandma forcing me to watch Matlock was probably my first foray into like that crime drama, like law and order type stuff. You know, that's probably the earliest thing I watched 
that was like that, you know, Matlock. So I just had to give a shout out because you <laughs> said that. Matlock. And, and I was like, when I think about my grandmother, I think about that show. I really yep. do. So just had to mention that. I do think it's funny, though, that Jason says this guy like it's not Andy Griffith. <laughs> like, like it's yep. not Andy Griffith. I guess I could have said that. <laughs> I um, guess child you wouldn't know that probably but yeah because yeah, he was really? old at the time yeah, I always knew it was Andy Griffith but I remember yeah. watching the Andy Griffith show um, see I didn't really ever watch that I mean that's why I'm, I'm actually going to swerve a little bit from what I was literally just about to say uh, I'll, I'll quickly mention shows grandmother shows that I used to watch with my grandmother because it was like Matlock it was the original Law and Order it was Murder She Wrote it was uh, in the heat of the heat night. Heat of the night. <laughs> yep. Same. Yep. Yep. You know. Yeah. I watched all those shows with my grandmother too, Justin. I'm right there with it's the you. old people relative show. Uh, see, I guess it was just the thing like that. They would always just make you watch that stuff. And now yeah, you would use. And I remember you being like, man, this isn't a cartoon. This is what? Why do I want to watch this? And now you look back like, and you're like, man, those shows were tight. Like, yeah. <laughs> were good did, you, did you guys also watch like Diagnosis Murder? Because I, I used to watch that with my grandmother. I don't uh, think sometimes I that, saw that one. All of these aren't with my grandmother, but all of these exact same shows were my aunt for sure. My aunt is like mm. older though. Uh, that and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yeah. <laughs> she was really into Dr. Quinn. I remember that. Um. But yeah, those yeah, I I yeah, those were my grandmother shows. I, I watched all those with my grandmother. I still like will watch Murder She Wrote or Law and Order and all that shit. Diagnosis Murder, Heart to Heart, uh, Perry Mason, uh, Matlock, any of that shit. If it's on, I'll just watch it because yeah, that's shit I used to do with my grandmother. Yeah. You know? So no, I I totally understand that that connection, Justin, with those specific shows. Because of, of a grandmother. Like it's, it's, yeah. Our grandmothers sound like they're the same woman with those shows. Um, but yeah, no, I totally get that specifically. Um, my little, I'm going to do two quick honorable mentions. And it's just because I feel like I'm the only person that remember disease. I know I'm not because I know I'm not that special. But there were two shows. And it's funny. They both dealt with dinosaurs and they were animated shows from when I was younger. And I think maybe that's also why Jurassic Park hit me or whatever, but it was Dino Saucers and Dino Riders. So like Dino Riders, they went back in time and they like had like, they put the guns and the missiles on the dinosaurs, you know, and they would ride dinosaurs into battle um, and shit like that. And Dino Saucers were these aliens that looked like dinosaurs, but then they could also turn into dinosaurs. Um, those just always these those those shows always stuck in my heads, um, but I'll talk about two shows that kind of just were like weirdly like defining about like sections of my life. Uh, if it's live action, it's X Files. That just defined the '90s for me with television. Essentially, I accident. I know I've talked about that before on the podcast, but I accidentally watched the series premiere of X Files. I just happened to be on Fox <laughs> the night it aired and watched it. I was like, nice. oh, what the fuck is this? And just kept watching it, you know, all the way to wouldn't watch the movie, you know, watch, I watched the movie in theater, watch the, like I had novelizations. I had a computer archive game 
it was just literally, it was like a game, but it wasn't like, it was all interactive, but all it was is you could look up files from the show and all it was, was plot synopsis from the episodes. And I had that and I loved it. I just sit there and go and open the X files and read the synopsis of the episodes. I fucking watched. I thought it was the coolest fucking thing ever. Like I said, define the nineties. And as far as like an animated show yeah. or something like that goes, it's, and this is going to surprise everybody. It's going to come out of left field, especially if you've listened to episodes from me. Uh, and my disdain for this particular genre. But this show still was a section of my life. And it's it's Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon was tight. Okay. So much of my child. I watched so much Sailor Moon. So much Sailor Moon. Like, I thought I was an anime fan when I was younger. Because I liked Sailor Moon. That was it, though. That's all I watched was Sailor Moon. I didn't watch any of the other shit. I was just watching Sailor Moon. I'm like, I love anime because I'm watching <laughs> Sailor Moon. <laughs> no, it's stupid. But yeah, watch the shit out of some fucking Sailor Moon. Loved it. And then like, you know, there's the, the quintessential show. Other people have said it. It's whatever. I, I, I have to mention it and it's Boy Meets World. I mean, yep, that was on my, my first list. real... My first real celebrity crush was Danielle Fischel, Topanga herself. So I, I do have to at least just mention that show just because, you know, it's Topanga. Yes. that That's all you have to say is like that show because Topanga and everybody else is going to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's. You know, that's the, those those were kind of the big formative things with me. I mean, outside of some of the stuff we mentioned, like Ninja Turtles and the real Ghostbusters and, you know, all the, like I said, the Rugrats. Like, when we were talking about Nickelodeon just now, outside of that, it's, to me, was Rugrats. I was a oh, Rugrats yeah. fiend. Man, Rugrats was tight, though. Uh, also, uh, and I think, too, we have not mentioned yet, at least this episode, that just need to get mentioned. Rocco's Modern Life and Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because at that time, and and I don't know what it was about the 90s, but just that, like, because those shows, there was a lot of gross humor, huh? They were not for children. Both of those shows were about fucking. Like, yeah, not only just like the sexual innuendos and stuff, but like, there, there was just like a lot of gross humor. That was really popular at the time, huh? Like, cause you know, powder toast man would, they would sit on his ass or whatever and he would take him somewhere or whatever. And like all these jokes with boogers farting and b- spit and all of that kind of stuff. There were a lot of shows that like had a lot of that kind of humor in it. You know what I mean? Like, like, that that was a very prevalent thing, like Beavis and Butthead, freaking, uh, I don't know. I just felt, I think that there were quite a few shows at that time where that kind of, I, I don't know what else to call it. I, so I'm just calling it gross humor. Well, it was whatever, 90s, but. it was 90s weird humor. 
I mean, yeah. do, do you guys, do you remember what Rocco's job was from Rocco's Modern Life? Mm-mm. Man, I'm trying to, I cannot remember. He was a fucking phone sex operator. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I guess I didn't watch the, enough of it to the like The chicken restaurant that they used to go to was called like Choke Your Chicken or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those shows sure were just was. straight about fucking Heifer. All the time. His friend named Heifer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, the, the, was it the, the, the big heads, his neighbors? Dude, they made a fucking sex tape. One of the episodes is about them, I think, returning a sex tape accidentally to the video store. Wow. Yeah. Those shows were about sexual depravity. And that could be why I am so fucked up now. (laughs) (laughs) It was all those shows, huh? I mean, I am all for all kinds of sexual perversions and debauchery. And it's probably because I watched so much Rocco's Modern Life (laughs) and Ren and Stimpy. If anybody ever wants to wonder why 90s kids are so okay with same-sex couples, just watch an episode of Ren and Stimpy. (laughs) no wonder we're okay with it we grew up with it our cartoons were about same-sex couples but just nobody thought Mm. about it because it was a chihuahua and a cat Mm. that's a good point just saying and also the weirdly funny thing everybody wants to know why Millennials are like less in tune, like less likely to have kids. Look at Doug. Look at the dinks. Uh, The double income, no kids. Their fucking name is the acronym for not having kids. Yeah. And and who was one of the coolest neighbors in television history? Mr. Dink. Yep. Mr. Dink. (laughs) Just saying, guys. It's very obvious why millennials are the way we are. Just go look at the cartoons that you set us (laughs) down in front of because you didn't want to deal with us. You guys got any more thoughts on nostalgic television? Uh, No, just... uh... There are a few answers we had that I liked, but that's it for me personally. What what, what, what was some of the answers you liked? Oh, um, there were a few people that put Power Rangers. And I don't know why I didn't think about that, but like I watched so much Power Rangers. And I remember that I was the only person that I knew that ever wanted to be the Yellow Ranger. (laughs) everybody else was like no pink ranger every other girl was like pink ranger pink ranger i was the only one that wanted to be yellow ranger and um so i definitely remember watching all of the power rangers um i get and then it i some, always thought the black power ranger had the coolest looking suit hmm. yeah and you're like nobody everybody wanted to be probably the red or the green right i would assume yep now, yeah. don't get me wrong. When Tommy showed up and he had that 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 gold shield on his too, okay, that's unfair. Yeah. That was unfair. <laughs> that motherfucker came with bling. Yeah, he, <laughs> man, 
the Green Ranger absolutely wrecked when he came in. Like, I still <laughs> vividly remember when he jumped into the Megazord and he whooped everybody's ass out of the Megazord. Like, I would just never forget. Or, like, whenever he played his flute and the Dragon Sword came and he didn't have to jump in or control it. It was just doing its own thing. He was just the coolest ranger. I mean, you just couldn't. The Green Ranger touch showed up with cheat codes, man. He, he showed did. up, debowed <laughs> all of their asses, and then, like you said, had the sickest looking dr- Zord in Power Rangers yeah. history. That yeah. Dragon Zord, the first time it came out of the water, looking like mm. God's gift to Zords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just glistening from the ocean. Yep. That's Jason a, that was Frank, unfair. Man. That was unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just that's <laughs> that's cruel, is what it was. I mean, we know how much you loved this new Power Ranger movie that came out a couple of years ago. I, I I think it's solid as shit. I still haven't seen it, but I still think it was great. Like it, I think it was. It, I think is what it should have been. I, I wanted more. I still want more. <laughs> now also if you want to if you ever want some really fucking badass Power Rangers shit go read the comics that are going on right now oh they're fucking sick That's I hear cool. they yeah they're, they're I, a friend of mine awesome. talks about those all the time and he says the same thing like, I think I even know which friend you're talking great. about yeah is it I'm our sure mutual friend that is obsessed with the the man that passed away the the green slash white ranger. He's obsessed yes. with that man. Jason David Frank. Yes. Yeah. We're talking yes. about the same you, guy. He yeah. is. He's accurate. Those comics are fucking amazing. Okay. They are amazing. Were they comics before now or no? No, no, no. no. They, they just okay. stole clips from a Japanese show. No, no. That's how the Power Ranger started. Now, they, had they had comic books in the past? Yes. But there is a okay. run that's like been going for a few years now. There's some good, good shit. And it's from those original yeah. American Power Rangers. And they've got like Lord okay. Dacon. Oh, that was probably the greatest villain idea ever. So essentially, it's what if the green slash white ranger stayed bad, more or less. Mm. So huh. he's got the elements of white ranger and green ranger suit. And he's just a one fucking person wrecking crew. Wow. That yeah. would be crazy. And also, they make Lord Zed as badass as he should be. Like, because aesthetically, Lord Zed is one of the greatest looking villains of all time. Yeah, he looks amazing. <laughs> he really does. But personality wise, they kind of just make him a little bitch. Yeah. In the show. No, they make Lord Zed a fucking villain in the comics, you know? Same with Rita. They're not just sending monsters to do their bidding and then go, oh, no, make them grow. No, no, no. They're going, oh, no, we're going to fight you too, motherfuckers. Let's (laughs) go. Yeah. I mean, thinking on it now, I'm like, that actually might be the most defining show of my childhood, just as much as, like, how much I watched it at least when I was younger, younger, but yeah, that was, that was some good stuff. That was a good show. 
And then a quick shout out to to the Tales from the Crypt that somebody said. I was like, oh, yes, definitely oh. remember that. That was the first like horror based anything that I ever saw. So I get it. No, that's legit. Um, I mean, if we're going to talk about something like that real quick, I mean, if you ever want to know why I am the way I am, was growing up in the 90s, I was not an SNL fan. You know what I watched for my sketch comedy? In Living Color. Oh, man. That was a good one. In Living Color was hands down better than SNL. It was. They fucking came for it, man. Man, And then when I was a little older, it was Kids in the Hall. God, I loved Kids in the Hall. (laughs) But anyway, let's kind of, I want to jump on because we've been going for a minute and let's kind of, I want to get into the heart of why we, you know, what we're wanting to talk about with this, which is nostalgia and specifically how I worded it in the survey, which is what impact do you think nostalgia plays on how you view new media? Because I think that that's something we talked about in the Mario episode where one reason why I tend to lean anti-nostalgia is because I kind of get tired of people acting like shit now can't be good or can't be as good as shit from back in the day. And it's all dictated by nostalgia. That mindset alone is nostalgia. Like that's that weird gatekeeping nostalgic mindset that every generation acts like they are the first generation to do that. When in fact, every generation in the history of time has weirdly done that, especially now when it comes to media and stuff like that, you know, everybody's like, Oh, back in my day, you know, the TVs, you you know, used to be better because we only had three channels and you had to change it with a knob and you had to mess with the ears and all that other shit. I'm like, why does that make TV better then than now? Right. Like, and what, you know, why is that better? That sounds terrible. You only had three yeah. channels. I've got like 157 free channels just because I have a Samsung TV. Like, it's so weird. They get, like, everybody gets weirdly nostalgic. Like, oh, man, kids shows in the 90s, they were so much better. Like, and like by kids, I mean, like, slightly older kids and all this other stuff. I'm like, but is it necessarily better? It's just, no, your nostalgia makes you think it is. It's music, I think, is one of the worst culprits of it. Like, back in my day, music was actual music, and now it's not. I'm like, no, shit just changed. Like, that's all it is. It's just different. It's just like how your parents thought your music was shit. Like, music evolves. And, uh, like, I like going on that journey. You know, I like listening to new music. And, like, listen to how trends change and all this other stuff. Because it's fun. You just, you, you get exposed to so many new things and like i i don't know understand why people would want to deprive themselves of that like to me i feel bad for people that do that because i'm like all you're doing is hurting yourself i know you think you're owning the new generation by going haha your music sucks mine's great and i know that there are kids that are young now that are like oh 
I only listen to 90s music, so my tastes are superior to that of people my generation because I listen to oldies. Like, no, you're just depriving yourself of new experiences and new things. Like, that sounds shitty to me. I pity people that do that. Because I'm like, there's so much great shit. Like, I weirdly, when I was in my, like, I guess mid-20s, know what show I used to love watching? Wizards of Waverly Place. Like, because it was just... Solid. I thought it was a fun show. Yeah, it was meant for kids and all this other stuff. But like I said, I like experiencing shit like that, you know? Like, I like seeing how things change. So I enjoyed watching it. Like, just to see, like... To put myself in the mindset of younger people, because then that helps you see where things are going to go as they get older. Yep. And I love experiencing that. I just think it's fun to like expose yourself to things as they change, you know, and, and, and I'm also one of those people. I don't, I don't tend to hold anything sacred, you know, I don't, oh, they want to remake this or redo that or any of that shit. Okay, cool. Like, I think one of my favorite things out there is the fact that they rebooted Star Trek with the J.J. Abrams movies. I loved that they did that. And it's mainly for people like Jastin, because I remember we watched that. Well, I want to say it was 2009 was when the the, the J.J. Abrams one came out. I loved watching that with somebody like you, because afterwards you were like, oh, I never watched Star Trek growing up. And you really enjoyed that. At least at the time you did. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was so awesome because, like, I grew up watching Star Trek. I've watched Star Trek, a version of Star Trek, my entire life. And I thought it was so cool that something came out that bridged the gap between us. There was a Star Trek content you liked that you didn't have to watch decades of Star Trek to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought it was like like a weird... Uh, like a a bridge to merge my Star Trek love with at least a new version of Star Trek love. And I thought that that was just the coolest thing ever that something was able to do that, you know? And I, I, and I was just in here thinking like, if I went into that with the mindset of, but it's not my Star Trek, it's not the Star Trek I grew up on. Then you and me wouldn't have had a shared connection of a Star Trek that we both enjoyed. Because you're not watching my Star Trek. You're not going, like, at that point, you're not going to sit there and go back and watch, what, seven or eight seasons of fucking Next Generation and three seasons of the original series and, like, seven seasons of Voyager and six seasons of Deep Space Nine and three seasons of Star Trek Enterprise. You're not going to go do all that. And the 10 other fucking movies that were made. You know what I mean? Like, you're not like, I. that's reasonable to not want to go back and binge all that other shit. Now it's a little bit easier because of streaming, whatever. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you'd have to go rent or buy all that shit on DVD back then, you know? Yeah. To catch up to me. And who the fuck's going to do that? So I liked the fact that it was like 2009. And there's something new and it's Star Trek. It was for both of us. 
And I'm just like, if I had that mindset of, but that's not my Captain Kirk. We both would have liked something Star Trek, but it wouldn't have been completely shared just because of a weird mindset. And to me, that's dumb. Like, why hold yourself back? It's a weird crash course into me and nostalgia. But I mean, I think it does apply, though, to, like I said, the question of, of new media. Like, I think too many people don't experience that stuff. And I think that they all think they're unique with it. But it's very obvious they're not like something like TikTok. When they're like, oh, oh, is that something from that Tic Tac? I'm like, it's TikTok. You know, the noise that people have been saying for fucking clocks since like 1413. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not it's not a new word. You know what I mean? It's nothing new. But like, I'm like, motherfucker, you're on Facebook. Who is that's the same thing to fucking people that were 80. Shut the fuck up. You know, like, but also it's like, who cares? Like, why, why are you automatically dogging it just because it's an app you don't understand? You know, and not to say that everything on TikTok is great. There's a lot of stupid shit that happens on that app. A lot of stupid shit that happens on that app. There's a lot of stupid shit that happens everywhere, though. Like, if it's on the app or not, there's stupid shit happening everywhere. So, I mean, I'm just like, why? And it, But and that's the thing. And what I was saying with that is, like, it's everybody, though. You know what I mean? Everybody that's, like, 65 all says Tic Tac. They all say it. They all do. And that's why I feel like it's intentional. You know what I mean? It's like they're intentionally just trying to dog something. Just because they don't understand it. And I'm like, that's yeah, such I a can totally see that. weird fucking mindset. So fucking weird. You know? And how many things would we not have if everybody just continually always has that mindset? Like, oh, is that on the YouTubes? And dogging YouTube to where, like, YouTube never takes off. Like... YouTube, I think, is one of the greatest innovations since the internet, just for the sheer fact that it has everything. It has us, and it also has videos on how to repair an engine. Or yep. how to make whatever dish you want to make. Like, think of a dish. Oh, There's yeah. a YouTube video on it. And to me, it's yep. one of the most weirdly entertaining and also potentially educational things out there. That's true. I bought a car that had defaultive spark plugs or defective spark plugs. And I knew it when I bought it. It wasn't like, it was like, Oh, they were trying to trick me. No, I knew it when I bought it, but that was also why the car was $600. So it's, you know, give or take, but I went on YouTube, found out how to replace the spark plugs. But then in doing so, I found out also that oil was leaking into the, the spark plug uh, little area. And that's why the spark plugs were go- went bad to begin with. So then I looked up how what that was and looked up how to fix it. And it was to replace the head gasket cover. Ordered one of those, replaced that too. All from YouTube videos. Did all that, spark plugs, everything. Engine sounded perfect after that. No problems. No misfires, like everything like that that I'd had just from watching YouTube videos. I saved myself 
a couple hundred dollars from taking my car to the shop for watching 10 minutes of shit on YouTube. Yeah. Fucking incredible. And people wanted to dog, dog that shit. Like, why? Like, that's the mindset that, especially against new media, that I think that some people take for granted. That, But, you know, they made fun of people, of like their parents not understanding YouTube, but then they turn around and do that shit for TikTok. I'm like, do you not realize it's the same mindset? You know, it's the same, like, what is it that, uh, the beginning of the Twisted Sister, uh, we're not going to take it music video. Where like the dad's like, oh, your music and blah, blah, blah. And all that other shit. And like <laughs> dogging on the kid. I'm like, it's that mindset that you used to think your parents were ridiculous for. You're doing the same yeah. thing now to other people. Like literally the same thing. And that's where I feel like nostalgic nostalgia is the most dangerous. And it's also so like terrible. I don't want to say it's a mindset. I, I dislike so much that I actively become anti nostalgia. And I understand that that's a weird, like hypocritical thing because then I kind of become what I'm talking about towards nostalgia, you know, because I become like, have become so anti nostalgia. So don't, don't worry. The hypocrisy is not lost on me that I have the same mindset towards nostalgia that people have because they're nostalgic towards new shit. I've become very anti-old shit. It's not lost on me. But to me, like, the old shit's always going to be there. So if I ever change my mind, the old shit's there. I I just like continually looking forward to the new shit that's going to come. That's what I have my eye on, is new shit coming. That's what I anticipate. That's what I love. That's what I want to see or listen to or whatever. And that's why I don't tend to look back as much anymore. I feel like I just rambled for 90 minutes. Uh, what do you two now go? What What are your thoughts on nostalgia and, and how it impacts new media? I mean, for me, I feel like, I feel like there's a time and a place personally for nostalgia. Like I think that it serves a purpose and there are moments when I want to watch something or I want to listen to a specific type of music or song because I want to be in a nostalgic mood to be like, you know what? I miss this or I miss that. And like, I just want to watch something that reminds me of it or listen to something that reminds me of it. I think there's a purpose for it, but I do think that um, I kind of agree Sterling with the fact that like, just for, there's so much nostalgia just for the sake of nostalgia Like, it's almost like you feel like a lot of people that are so against new things are doing it just to, like, prove a point. Or they're doing it just because, like, they've lost their actual reason of why they make that stance is kind of what it feels like for me uh, from people that I've heard with that kind of mentality. But... I mean, you know, the people that are, that'll say like, oh, they just don't make movies like they used to. And I'm like, they make so many movies that are like better with better storylines, better effects, better acting. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like 
you could say that all you want, but it's, it's almost like, I feel like that means you haven't seen any sort of movie in the past like 50 years because there's so many great films out there and great things that they've, you know, enhanced in films and even stories in general. Like, I feel like that's why there's this stage now of with horror films. It's all about psychological horror because we're at that point where, you know, we've worn out and we've done these other storylines so many times. Like what's something new that we can make that will terrify people. It's, it's almost like even movie writers and directors and filmmakers are, it's almost like they're trying to find something that's like, what's going to be fresh. What's going to be new because we've seen this and heard this so many times, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's, you know, have respect for things that, you know, for example, Jurassic Park, like that is a fantastic film. That is a masterclass of how you make an epic blockbuster film. You know what I mean? And there's something to be said for that. And we shouldn't forget kind of the, the impact and what that means for movies going forward since then. You know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, have respect for those types of things, the, the things of the past, but if you're always in a state of nostalgia and you don't want to move on from it or be accepting of anything new, it's almost like you're just, it's the same concept of just being closed-minded in general, <laughs> because you're, there's so many things that you can miss out on. If you're just, you're so nostalgic that you're like, no, like, for example, I was seeing some conversation online earlier this week about how they're supposedly going to make like a gladiator two. And, um, somebody was just like, if they do that, I'm not going to watch it because the original gladiator was so good and there should never be a sequel to that. And I'm just kind of like, but you don't even know what the story is going to be about. Like, (laughs) you don't know anything. You've already made up your mind that because you're so hyped at how amazing the first one was that you're not even willing to try this before you even know what it's about. Like, there's just that mentality that makes me sad because, I think about times in my life when if I was, if I was like that and I hadn't decided I need to try new things, I need to see new types of movies, this and that. There's so many like amazing films or music that I wouldn't even know. (laughs) So I feel like you're going to just be missing out if you want to stay in nostalgia forever. I don't think there's a bad thing. It's not bad to have nostalgia for things and to be nostalgic for like, oh, like, I loved this movie growing up or whatever, or even movies where, you know, say, you know, for example, Lion King, right? Like that was a a classic Disney movie probably for us growing up, but people who are children today probably have no idea what that is. (laughs) Like they have no idea, like what's Lion King? I haven't seen it. I don't even know what it is. You know, so the nostalgia of, oh, like, I want them to see, like, what a good film this was, or even remaking it to be like, yeah, it was such a good story before. But to that, there's the downfall of you try to, yeah, re, uh, you, you try to reenact something that people are nostalgic for, and it can fail miserably, like the new Lion King did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or there was another, um, reboot that they did um actually Jason, i know that you were a fan of beauty and the beast and i never saw it but it was almost like 
But was it better than the original or did they just, because it was live action, they just thought people were going to be bonkers about that. You know what I mean? So I feel like they're, they want to try so hard to pull on the nostalgic strings that it's actually losing any sort of fresh magic it could have because it's just kind of going through the motions so that you just like what you like this new thing because you liked the old thing, if that makes sense. So I think there's a time and a place for it, but I think staying stuck there means that you're not growing in things that you could really appreciate that you don't even know could be an option for you to appreciate. Um, real quick, Justin, I th- and I think because I, I want to just comment on what Heather just said, and I want to get your input, spe- input specifically with it. Um. I do think with these live action remakes of animated classics, it is a weird fine line that they have to straddle of you have to justify it. The purpose of why it's being made. You can't, it can't just be a shot for shot remake. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you have to do something to justify why you did this and how hard that can be. You know, um, I think the jungle book was a really good remake, the live action version yeah. of that. And I want to say uh, Cinderella. I really liked the Cinderella live action they did. I thought yeah. it was a very good. It was good too. And then they did Beauty and the Beast, which was fine. But then they added in some songs that weren't in the original. And I get that that was them trying to justify it. They were trying to add more songs and add more to it. And they just don't work. Like at all? Like you're just like watching the beast jump around from rooftop to rooftop going, okay, what the fuck song is this? I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, it gets tough. I understand that. And then they did Lion King, which, you know, was too much like the original, but then weirdly animated. And you're just like, what the fuck is this movie? You know? And then I... I know that I was one of the few people that weirdly liked the Aladdin remake. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really good. They added some songs to it, and I think they actually helped tell the story. I liked having a fresh take on the genie with Will Smith versus And on Jasmine, honestly. Yeah. I really enjoyed those aspects of it. You know, so to me, I felt like they did a good job of justifying their version Mm -hmm. of a remake. You know, and I think... Even without seeing it yet, I think there's something to be said about the new Little Mermaid that's coming out in just a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Just by changing Ariel like they have and changing some of the characters like they, they have that they've openly already shown that they're changing. I think that they've already somewhat justified their version being made because you're taking something that is a classic that has been meant so much to people. And now you're reintroducing it to new people in a way that allows them to make a better connection with that movie than they necessarily would with the original. And I'm talking about Mm -hmm. some of the marginalized groups that have been watching Disney films for how fucking long and had little to no representation in them whatsoever until mostly recently. And now they're getting it. Like there are little kids they can experience that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like that might be their first time ever watching little mermaid. 
yeah. and they already have representation with it. I think that that's a, that's a fantastic idea. I think that that's a mm-hmm. way to justify your remake in a way to me a lot easier by changing those things and modernizing some of the storylines that might be problematic or weird or and also to, in a mission to include more children into the Disney umbrella by having direct representation like that. I think it's a smart idea. Yeah. I think it's the way you say it is really, I think that's the best way to put it. Like justifying why you want to do these things just instead of it being for just nostalgic sake, like, is there a reason for why you're doing kind of, yeah, the, the Lion King is a perfect example. It's like, it's a shot for shot re redone. Like everything is exactly the same. So there's nothing new. There's nothing exciting about it. If you've already seen the original, you know what I mean? But yeah, like, and then the little mermaid, I mean, it's becoming, it's going to become a more universally relatable movie just for the changes they are making. And that's important. So I think, yeah, saying like, is there a justified reason for you pulling these nostalgic strings is the important question too. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, as it concerns just, um, the little mermaid and from what I understand, um, when I was in the movie theater, you know, how they have that thing called newbie or whatever, where they do little interviews and games and stuff like that. Well, w- one host that was on there was talking about the little mermaid and, towards the end of her little, you know, you should watch this. And they're just showing little clips from the movie and stuff like that. And she said that the actress, Holly Bailey, who plays Ariel said that this story is going to be about, is not going to play exactly like how the original one played, that it's going to be more about Ariel and her choices and her journey and why she chooses to do what she does. And it's not just all about her falling in love with the guy. Her just thinking the guy's cute. So let me just up in my entire life, you know, for the cute guy. And I thought that that was when that was said, that like made me even more excited for the movie. Cause it was like, Oh, so it might actually do some things because why I think I had always been a fan of the little mermaid was because of like that exact part that the, that the lady was talking about with this new one. I always leaned into this idea of this person feeling like you belong somewhere else. Like you feel like whatever your life is, you you just yearn for something different and you like different things and you see kind of this other life or this other pos or these other possibilities and you want to be more a part of that, part of that world, um, as the song goes. You know, finding yourself in something else, even if that is not where you came from the ability to find yourself and your personality and just 
something that's inside of you in other things, in something else. A lot of that mirrored kind of my sort of journey with wrestling and everything like that. You know, a lot of that is why, like, I liked Little Mermaid because I leaned more into that part. Now, of course, there is the other part of meeting Prince Eric, well, falling in love with him, and I want to go be with him. And and I think a lot of skeptical people lean into that, but I always leaned into that other part. The, I wish I could be a part of that world part. That's the part that kind of sticks with me. And if this new movie is going to be more about that, more about a person making their choices and understanding that even though I'm from here, even though I was born here, even though this is traditionally the way we do things, I want something else. I want different. I want new. There are all these other possibilities out there for me, and I want to explore some of those. I hope that it leans into that because that is very much something that I could get behind. So, no, I, I, I agree with that, Justin. I, I, I do love that you kind of called me out with, you know, the whole skeptical point of view on that. I, I truly did enjoy that because it's accurate because I'm not going to lie. The way the movie plays out for so much of the movie, I forgot that it, it really technically the beginning part of the story was her not feeling like she belonged. I forgot that because so much of the movie is about her thinking a boy's cute. Let me go be with boy. I so yes, I, on the skeptical side of that, you're right that that is her journey with it or why she's willing to do some of that stuff. I don't like how they executed it to be mm-hmm. becoming about a boy for yeah. so much of the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, the whole, yeah, Prince and everything. And I think that's why this actress commented that way, because it's not just you. It's, uh, I think quite a few people felt that that was, yeah. that that became like the primary story of the little mermaid it just it's it it starts as that like you said but then it becomes that kind of typical disney at the time oh i'm married happily ever after i'm a princess and i've got my prince you know so if this can say more about that other part i think it'll be a very powerful movie on top of all the other things that you guys said about representation. No need to re go into all of that. I think you guys covered that, but I at least wanted to speak on that part of it as well. And that's fair. And I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm kind of more excited about the movie now after hearing what you said about it. I, I, I was already intrigued by the movie. I think it was a, like I said, I think there are reasons for doing that and changing the racial makeup of not even just Ariel, so many other characters and all this other stuff. I think it's a fantastic idea. I see zero wrong with it. And now hearing that too, I'm like, oh, so now it won't be just a bad message story that at least gives people diversity and inclusion. It also might be a story worth telling on top of all that, like with more more well-rounded character. 
And a story that I also relate to. I mean, I, I left fucking Texas and moved up here to Chicago. You know, not only is it culturally different and all these other things, I mean, it's climactically different. You know, it's cold here all the time. All these other things, like, because why? I never felt like I really belonged in Texas. The mindset of your average Texan and all this other stuff. And I'm not trying to say that that's a negative thing, but I've never been that person that's like, fuck yeah, Texas is number one. I'm like, yeah. to me, Texas is one of 50. Yeah. It's, and I don't think I've ever been that kind of person either. And I say that and I've got like the state of Texas all over my gear and all this kind of stuff. But while, yes, I under I appreciate some of my roots here. I have never just been that person of, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've never been a, oh, I'm from here and I'm proud of that type of thing. I just feel like all of that is coincidence and just, you know, two people made decisions and had sex. And that's why I'm here. I'm not here because I chose this state or any of the, you know, I'm here because of a lot of, a lot of circumstances and events had to happen in order for me to be right here and grow up here and be familiar with this thing. So I have different views of like, what do you even call it? Regional pride or well, <laughs> nationalism. I don't well, know. I just have pride. different views about it. Yes. Yeah, state pride and all that stuff. I have very differing views about that. But like you said, just that whole thing about being different and stuff like that. But I also want to warn that there are probably two, just to be fair, because I don't want to, point the finger at people being closed-minded about nostalgia and be closed-minded myself. There probably is a scenario where somebody could find a significant other and move out of their family with them and be in a much better situation. I want to put that out there too. I don't want to also say that, well, she packed up and went with this guy and left her family and everything like that. And that's bad because there are probably some situations where that shit is okay to do. Not every family is an upstanding citizens and siblings and moms and dads and whatnot. So there very well could be a, a scenario where you need to get away from your family and somebody better than them could take you from that. So that's fair. But then there's also a situation like Little Mermaid where I don't think King Triton is necessarily a bad family member. Yeah. But there are there are times that just sometimes you just need to be somewhere else. Not even that your family, there's familial problems or something like that. Where you need to be in your life is different from where your family needs to be with their lives. You know, exactly. Exactly. there are, I, I just don't like how reductive Little Mermaid is with it, you know. But like you said, I, and I, and I, like I said, I, I, it, I hope it didn't come across as insincere. I like the fact that you called me out and called me because, like, from a skeptical perspective with it. Because, like I said, I did genuinely forget that the beginning of that movie is just she's unhappy with where she is. Yeah. It is, it's funny because. Those are some of the most iconic songs in the movie are from that point. And I still forgot that that's the point of the beginning of the movie. 
Yeah. And even in that song, Part of That World, there's not a line in there that's about a cute boy or falling in love or anything about that. That whole song is about her curiosity with what's on the surface. And I just want to answer these questions. I want to know what this is. I want to know how that works or I want to know what they do. And down here, I bet they don't, you know, they don't reprimand their daughters and all that stuff. Now she'd be wrong. I mean, women get a bad rap up here too. (laughs) She wasn't exactly right, but that, but point being, that was sort of what she was hoping to get at first. But so I see both points, but anyway, trying to get back to answering this question about, uh, um, nostalgia and new media and stuff like that. Um, but, but, but I think it's a good segue because I said all of that because all of those things are kind of valid things. It's all about how it's presented. It's all about understanding that any of those situations can be valid. You, you could want to just be away from where you live and where you were born and want to go somewhere else. That's valid. And maybe it does take falling with, in love with somebody to move you away from whatever you are and to a better place. That's valid. It's also valid to be your own person and be independent and want that yourself. There's, it's also valid to want to stay at home and just, you, you know, where you are is where you're from. That's where you identify. You're proud of where you come from and your state and you just want to stay wherever you are. That's valid too. And, and I say all of this because when I think about nostalgia I, and, and and everything about it, I think there is a valid n- nostalgia that 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 can be in just about anything. I think that when it comes to media, n- nostalgia can be a good way to introduce people to something that maybe you know you can sometimes hook people with something that's familiar, but then once they get there, you can present these new ideas and these new things and you can get them to appreciate something new while using the familiar to maybe get people in the door. We see that in a lot of movies. I I mean, that has happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that has happened in quite a few movies have sort of used nostalgia or something familiar and then present you with something different or the movie goes away. You didn't expect it or whatever the case may be. So I think that there can be examples of nostalgia being used. Well, Um, I don't ever want to be a person to say that like nostalgia is bad necessarily, because even like with these reboots and stuff like that, yes, we get bad movies and bad reboots and stuff like that. But we get a lot of good ones too. You know, we get, there are some that come out and they are good. I think it's just all about how you use the tool that's in the toolbox. I don't think nostalgia is the problem. It's all about how nostalgia is utilized. And that goes for people too. You you talked about like people who take nostalgia and they use that to sort of downplay or be against or or, or sort of criticize things that are new. To me, that would be a person 
taking the tool of nostalgia and not really using their the the tool in the toolbox wisely, so to speak. I don't think that nostalgia should ever be used to down or criticize something or, or to say that you should restrict yourself from this because you have this original thing over here. I'm in agreement with that. Don't use it as something like that. But I also don't really agree that that everything new is good or that everything refre- that, that that everything that, that that tries to have this new idea or do this new thing is a refreshing or good thing too. I think there 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 can be a misuse of that tool as well to 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 where you are shunning the past history the the blueprints to things uh, the the different things like that i don't think that it's necessarily a good thing either to be over, to be so obsessed or so into things that are new over here that you forget about or you don't acknowledge the significance of or you sort of downplay what the 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 proven commodities and the things that have been created in the past either i i for me everything is about balance everything everything is about balance when it comes to me and that's just for me personally my life what i like to what i like to eat what the way that i live for me everything in its proper balance there is good in any, there, there can be good in anything, but there can be bad in anything. It's all about how the thing is being u- utilized, in, in my opinion. So there is a world where th- there are scenarios where I think nostalgia is a great thing. It is great to be reminded of something that you grew up with. It is great to walk into a McDonald's and have that smell and it take you back to when you you were five years old and got your first <laughs> happy meal or whatever with, with your, I don't know, Hot Wheels toy. That's okay. It's okay to be reminded of that sometimes. It's okay if something brings, a, if that brings a smile to your face and makes you happy and makes you not so much of an irritable bastard. Why, what's so wrong with that? <laughs> what's so wrong with that? That That's okay. You know, that, that seems is per- so pointed, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is for me, that is perfectly okay. Right. And if you find some new form of music or some new movie and you love that movie and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie is tight, man. It's new. It's fresh. This is a great new idea, man. This is awesome. And that puts a smile on your face and you're not an irritable son of a bitch. Great. You know, great. I'm glad that you found some memento of happiness in this movie or that movie. But what I don't understand is why there always needs to be this clash, this either or, or this, it's got to be this over this or that over that. Why does there need to be this comparison? And I think none of that has to do with nostalgia. All of that has to do with ego. And that's what I wanted to get on here and say. Using nostalgia because you have some sort of superiority complex, so you want to down 
the 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 kiddos now or whatever because yeah. you have a superiority complex is stupid. And then looking at ev- everything that's nostalgic and old and that was a classic and stuff like that and turning your nose to it because you are this great new person and you love all these new ideas and you have the newest toothbrush and you love all these new things is just as freaking stupid. You're just being arrogant. You're trying to feel superior and stuff like that. And that's all this really is. So my advice to you, tell the fucking truth. (laughs) There is no inferior, (laughs) superior or anything like that. You are just delusional and think you are. And 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 that's because for some reason, you need to go to bed at night and feel like you're superior to somebody else or everybody else. Fuck that noise. The, you know, it, everything. I have never wanted a pearl necklace more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to be clutching my pearls throughout this entire thing. I have never, you know how like sometimes when you see something written down, they'll put in parentheses what they're referencing. You know, like, <laughs> I have never like felt like that in real life to where almost every time you've said the word you, I feel my name in parentheses, like right <laughs> next to it. You, Sterling. Every time you <laughs> tell said, the truth, you, you've said it with such emphasis that I do feel like you were saying you, Sterling Condre in Joliet, <laughs> Illinois right now on May 5th. <laughs> At 1 a.m. <laughs> Damn. Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a bad I triggered thing. you, I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. But. You're fairly accurately describing me. <laughs> Damn. And that's fine. Well, if I, I, that's fine with it. I'm not, because I'm saying you're at, you, it, it's an app description. Because I'm not going to lie. You're probably right. And it's, it's funny because you said it's because of ego. But then you're also saying it, and I'm taking it like you're saying it at me, which just shows how kind of accurate you are, the, the <laughs> amount of ego that is involved with that mindset. So yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I I think it's funny because it's right. Like, yeah, my ego is going, Justin is just personally attacking me right now. <laughs> and it's because of my ego with it. That's very, no, that, that's a very that's accurate a- statement. That's a very good point. But I just felt like I've been thinking about this all week. I mean, ever since you put that survey out and I was like, what did what did I want to say about this? And I think that that is just where I kept arriving. The, the, the truth is, why can't nostalgia just be good enough for you? Why can't your nostalgia, your memories, things like that? And some of those things we talked about in the Mario movie. Some of those things are valid. Some of those things are very sentimental. Like we talked about watching those shows with our grandmother. There's some real shit to that, some real sentimental stuff to that. But if I then need to use the shows that I watched with my grandmother to down someone because they like the law and order stuff now and they don't like any of the Matlock stuff or the old stuff back then... That doesn't have anything to do with them. That's me. That's that's just some shit that has to do with me that I need to figure out. 
you know, because you're just making yourself a very unhappy person. Why not just enjoy all of this shit, man? Why not just enjoy all of it? Why not just why not just enjoy that sometimes we do get things that are familiar to us? The the latest Top Gun that came out is one of the best movies that has come out in the past couple of years. I think we can say that, right? It, it definitely based on our cinema scores, based on how we felt about it, that Top Gun came came out and that was and we all agreed that that is one of the best movies we saw that year and have seen in a, in the past few years that would not be possible without nostalgia it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the first top gun if it wasn't for the feelings that that gave you if it wasn't for that nostalgia of seeing tom cruise play that character and all of that kind of stuff Part of the reason why we enjoyed the new Top Gun so much was because of the nostalgia of the old one. That has to do with a lot of that, too. A lot of the scenes, the way the movie started, stuff like that, they were playing on nostalgia big time. But then it it didn't only just have nostalgia. It knew how to use it at certain times, but it knew how to tell a fresh story and stuff like that. So there is a way to utilize nostalgia correctly. And then we've seen a lot of movies abuse it. We talked about that in Ghostbusters Afterlife. We talked about other movies like that where it can be abused. And so we have seen both. And and, and I get, and there was one um, Cinefan that went on a rant, uh, Haley, and she was talking about the fact that people can't discern, discern like good movies from trash movies and stuff like that because they're so like caught up in their nostalgia. And, and and I do agree with some of that. I do think that there is a point where you can, you can be so caught up in nostalgia that it blinds you from other things. But all I'm saying is don't make the mistake of thinking that you are above that shit. When you pull up to when at the first chance you get, you pulling up to a McDonald's or Whataburger. You got the same shit too. You know you should be eating something better. Clutch you the know pearls you can, again. You know you, you know you should save money by cooking at home. You know that doctor is going to tell you about your high blood pressure, but you still pull up to that shit because of your fucking nostalgia. So we all are guilty of this shit, man. Just I, everything in balance, everything in moderation. Do just don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. Don't it don't let it abuse your taste in movies, you know, call it out when it's trash and call it out when it's great. But also don't let it be the reason why you can't appreciate anything back then or appreciate anything coming down the pipe now. Put it in its proper place in that toolbox. You're right, because it's almost like it's that whole mentality of, you know, own it if you're like, you know what? I loved this movie because I loved it as a kid, but like, I feel like we've done this with a few movies where we say this was a terrible movie, but you know what? I really liked this character from the original. And because of that, I like it more. And just being honest about like that does play a part in it. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we've had to do that before with lots of things where we're like, this was not a good movie, but something about me still likes it. And I, I can't explain why other than the fact that, you know, I liked this or that when I was a kid, you know? 
I mean, and I do like the fact that with what you said, Justin, that you also do, you know, within yourself, like try to live up to that same standard that you just called other people out on with it. Because like in the Mario episode, I was trashing it because it's a nostalgia bomb. And you were like, man, it's a nostalgia bomb. And I loved it. But at the same time, you were at least openly critical as a movie. It's weak. You know? And so I, and I respect you for that. Cause that's, that's a fair assessment of it. You went still on a positive review because it still hit the notes that you liked and all these other things. You still had that enjoyment out of it, but you still were able to acknowledge the weaknesses, you know, that a lot of people wouldn't be honest with. Yeah. And I, so, you know, so I'd like, I do respect that, you know, that you, you hold yourself to that same standard. Cause a lot of people would have been like, I had so much fun and loved it. Blah, blah, blah. 98. You know, just out of nostalgia. You know, so I and I so I appreciate that with it. And I do think it's funny that you called out Haley. Because I was actually that was going to be the next thing I wanted to I wanted to bring it up. I should have brought it up when I was talking about it earlier because her assessment of it is kind of a very, I think, eloquent way of how I feel about it. You know, and I know you said like that that is so a somewhat unfair assessment and all these other things. But yeah, that is that is a, like I think the way she talked about it is the way I feel about it too, and I was actually going to read her comment about it and talk about it um, because I have talked about Haley before on this. Uh, she is my lovely niece. Sorry, Amy, she's now my niece. You get yourself a new niece. She's my niece, <laughs> and we I, I talked about something or my mine and hers conversation during uh, uh, about the movie Licorice Pizza. Because me and her were texting back and forth about it. And I brought it up in that episode. But yes, I, I wanted to read what she said. Because like I said, I think it's a very good encapsulation of how I feel. And you brought her up too. So I want to just kind of give people the opportunity if they haven't seen the post or don't feel like digging through stuff to find it. I was going to read that specifically. Uh, what she said about this was, the people who make new media have a full grasp on how much people love nostalgia and how now there's a bill and now there's a billion remakes of things or reboots see Jurassic world with no actual substance or reason because they know how horny the public is for nostalgia. And a lot of these people have no ability to gauge if these shows or movies are trash or not because they're so blinded by nostalgia. It makes it so all these things keep being remade and rebooted and sequeled because it will always make money because nobody cares if it's good or not because it's nostalgic. I do feel that way very That's much. Some good points. Yeah. About so many things. I do agree with you, Justin, in some regards, she is a little bit unfair about some of the things because something like Top Gun is a fantastically well-made movie. Uh, Top Gun Mavericks to be more specific. And it does hinge on a little bit of nostalgia because it is a movie from the 80s and it needs that and uses that a little bit, but also modernizes so much of it and bridges that gap better than a lot of things try to even, 
You know, so many things just try to go, hey, guys, it's this shit. Remember how you liked it? It's that again. Like it again. Because it's that shit. You know. So I do agree. I'm not going to lie. I fell victim to Jurassic World. Because it reminded me a lot of the original Jurassic Park. Something I openly stated earlier. I am admittedly nostalgic about. So that movie did hit those notes. And yeah, it's kind of just a blanket remake. And it, it worked on me. Now, where that franchise falls apart is then they do two more movies of garbage. Yeah. And crickets or locusts, whatever the fuck those were. You know, not dinosaur shit. You know, so... It, it 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 kind of, you know, it does work both ways. And if you do use it effectively, you can make a good movie with it. But then also, if you just do it for nostalgia state, you also tend to make bad movies because of it. Yes. And I think that also, too, I wouldn't so much. And, and, and like some of her statements, I did agree with. And Haley is really cool. I met her whenever you had your wedding. So. Um, yeah, she's a really cool person. She was one of the coolest people I met when I went to Chicago um, for, for your wedding for the first time. She was really cool, really cool. And I do agree with some of the things she says. I wasn't necessarily trying to attack her comment or say that she was wrong. I just wanted to offer, I think, more like perspective or maybe just another side to it just to kind of balance it, so to speak. Because, like, I think also, too, there's an underestimation of the audience because if it really was just people are just blinded by nostalgia, if people really are just that stupid and all you have to do is put nostalgia on the screen and it's going to make money, 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 that doesn't explain why something like Top Gun could do so well and make almost a billion dollars. And then something like Ghostbusters not make half of that. You you know what I mean? I I do think if you really look at the numbers, there's a discrepancy. And when you really look at the ones that kind of use nostalgia and they're really, really successful, you can find some differences in how people view these things. Uh, For instance, Mario, it, it just got to a billion dollars. When you really break it down, there are very specific reasons why. The 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 live action one back then when, you know, people like me and you, Sterling, grew up was really awful. People were maybe, so some of those fans are probably clamoring for something that is closer to what they recognize from the video games. This movie did that. A lot of the nostalgia in the movie was for the older people. The kids aren't going to understand the Punch-Out references or the Jumpman references or any of the music from the old-ass Nintendo. That was for people our age. But the story and the movie was for children that are growing up playing the newer Mario games today. That's why Bowser wanted to marry Peach. That's why Peach was a badass in the movie and wasn't just getting captured and shit like she was back when we played. All of that was from the new shit, the new Mario shit. So the nostalgia was for the old people. The newest shit was for the kids. It was the perfect blend of both of those things, and it worked. 
it made a billion dollars. There's a difference in that than something like Ghostbusters, who, which it made okay money, but it didn't like make spellbounding money. Uh, um, so I do think that there's a difference. Audiences don't always just react to nostalgia. That Indiana Jones movie and the crystal skull or whatever that, that came out and, and that was pretty much about delivering nostalgia. And sure that got people in the door. It had a pretty nice box office start, but Man, the drop off was ridiculous because people were like, man, this is not good. (laughs) Like, I mean, it may have got them in the door, but people aren't that dumb. I mean, people aren't just like, well, it's Indiana Jones, so I like it. People were like, man, that wasn't any good. And they stopped going to see it. So it didn't make those high box office numbers. So I think we just have to watch. We don't want to overestimate nostalgia so much that we are underestimating the behaviors of our audience. Cause when you really look at these numbers, it, you still, yes, you can have nostalgia there and it can be there. You can have it in your movie, but the movie still has to be good. It has to bridge some sort of gap. There still has to be something about it. That's good for it to make the kind of money that these studios really want this movie to make. You know what I mean? I have a counterpoint for you, Justin. Yeah. The Transformers movies. That's true. The, like The best quality one is also the lowest grossing one with Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yep. Bumblebee. So what is it about that? And see, that that's why it's so hard. Like, And I don't know, I would have to like really look into that and find out why, because obviously the, the older generation of people were there mainly for the nostalgia and everything like that. Um, I mean, I don't, is there new transformer shit out? I don't know. Like comes out in like two weeks. Well, I mean, not the movie itself, but like, I'm talking oh, about yeah. for kids now. Yeah. Is there like a show? Are there show Transformers shows I don't know if literally right now there is, but over the last few years, there's there's always been Transformers shit. Okay. There's always been okay. cartoons. There's always been new toys. Yeah, okay. they still do shit. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure why, because yeah, I wouldn't call those movies good, but- Maybe it's just something about the, I don't know. Maybe it's the visual effects. Maybe it's the, maybe it's just, maybe Transformers is like the anomaly. You know, I get, maybe it's just, maybe it transcends some of the rules. I mean, maybe, and and there are some nostalgia acts that do transcend, I think, everything. They're just so iconic. They're almost like foolproof, I guess you could say. I mean, and maybe that's one of those things. Maybe it maybe Transformers just can't do any wrong. I don't know. I, I I don't really have an answer for you there. I'd have to look at more shit, I guess. But if you ask me, not everything that comes out that's just purely nostalgic wins at the box office. I think not all of it just wins. So I can't say that the audience is just blind to all of it. 
I don't really necessarily believe that that's true. But I do agree with the portion that she's talking about where she says that the studios just keep on trying to come out with these things because they know people like them and stuff like that. Totally agree with that. They know we like this shit. They know we can't help it because nostalgia kind of runs our lives in a way, you know, it does. But so they are right to attempt these things and think, oh, they're going to make money. But clearly there's a difference in quality. And I think quality just usually wins in these cases. Did you see the remake of Ben-Hur? No, I didn't, but I heard it was not good. Well, see, that's the problem is no one saw that. Because I do think it's one of those things where it is people, like the studios just go, oh, let's, you know, take old classics and remake them and all this other stuff. And I'm just sitting here thinking, they're trying to modernize it for a new generation. But at the same time, who under the age of 65 is going, I need to watch some <laughs> Ben-Hur. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever watched the original Ben-Hur? Nope. Yes. Was it Had any- to in, in school. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Have you watched it since school? No. Exactly. <laughs> I think I saw it once when I was like 15 or something like that. I have never watched that since. Yeah, so see, like, what's the decision behind that? But but I guess that would be a, a great example of, like, you just thinking, oh, it's old and it's a classic, so we'll just put it out there with no thought given to how I'm going to modernize this or make it more interesting or just that the audience has changed. So... I, I I don't know why a person thought that that would be successful. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> one of those things that like, like I said, you have to have a good justification, especially when you're doing a remake or like a late sequel or something like that. You have to make some sort of justification. And with Ben-Hur, yeah, they made it with more modern action sequences. But the problem is, is nobody young is going, oh my God, I need to watch Ben-Hur. So you're making a movie for an audience that doesn't give a fuck that the other one even exists. Yeah. 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 Like, that was one of the, like, Clash of the Titans all tricked us. Because we all had seen Clash of the Titans. You know, we'd all seen it more than once. So you're like, oh, there's a new modern Clash of the Titans, you know. So you see it because you're like, okay, well, like, you know, I, I know the original. You know, so, but like I said, nobody's clamoring or who the fuck is even rewatching Ben Hur? You know, like, who the fuck, like, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, I know that they redid essentially Spartacus as a TV series on stars, but they added a bunch of violence and sex and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? To to tell the story of Spartacus. So, you know, they're, dra- and they made it a TV show. So they add new characters, new story. You know what I mean? They can do all this other shit with it to justify their remake. You know? Whereas like Ben-Hur, it's like, I, I honestly can't even really fucking tell you the story of Ben-Hur. 
I don't remember it. I didn't give a fuck about it 22 years ago when I watched it. I don't give a fuck about it now. Like, I know it's supposed to be a cinema classic, but who? no one, no one cares. Like, as much as it's a classic, no one's watching Ben-Hur. Yeah. Know? I think they play it yeah. once every eight years on, like, Turner classic movies because I think they're contractually obligated to to play it once every eight years. So they have to, you know. Sure. But, like, Ben-Hur might as well have John Wayne in it, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not watching that shit no more. I don't give no shits. I got a junk email, and it said, how to make a John Wayne casserole. And you best believe Is I it just shitting it. in a baking dish and baking it? <laughs> I'll send you the recipe. I'll find it in my archives and send you the recipe. Dude, that's the only thing I could think of what a John Wayne casserole would be. Just taking a big old shit in a baking dish, putting it in your oven at 350 for 27 minutes, cover it with cheese and serve. I, I was just like, come on, Gmail. Why would I want a racist casserole? And I just deleted it. <laughs> I forgot the final step. You have to be white to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. If the email had said that, I probably would have kept it. I probably would have laughed and kept it, you know, for whites only. If you're black, you won't like this. Right. You know, we'll call the police. But no, I just thought that that was I just had to tell you. You just said John Wayne and I just instantly thought of that. So, yeah. But no, but what you were saying is absolutely right. So, I mean, I I think we've said it enough times like you can't just nostalgia bomb people and win most of the time. I, I don't think that you can, or at least you can anymore. Maybe there was a period where you could. Maybe I'm not being fair. Maybe there was a period where you kind of could, but I don't know, man. I feel like the audience, again, the audience is changing, and I think people are kind of smartening up to some of this shit because, like, some of this stuff comes out, man. And it's just, it doesn't, like, do as well as the, they think it would do. I don't know. We'll, we need to see in, like, six years. I'm yeah. also I'm also very curious we'll report back. about the Ghostbusters movie that comes out later this year. Because, mm. to me, that's going to be a real, like, tell on what what the Ghostbusters franchise ultimately will be. Because if mm. it's just another nostalgia bomb, just going, hey, guys, remember those scenes from Ghostbusters that we also showed you in the last one? We're going to show those again. Damn. Or, 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 or also like the Matrix. What was that Matrix called? The Matrix, Matrix Jessica again. Henwick was the best. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Matrix, that's right. It wasn't. The, it Just, wasn't the Matrix. Jessica Henwick is the best. No, it was <laughs> the Matrix. You know, the one you already saw, but again, <laughs> okay, yeah. basically, yes, I believe that was the proper title for it. But like that, I mean, that was the Matrix, bruh. It was the Matrix, and people saw that. And was like, what? 
the fuck? And nobody went back. I think it's also that people weirdly have this thing with the Matrix. And maybe it's with a lot of franchises where they're just like, man, I love those movies. I love them. And then you're like, well, have you watched them at all since 2004? And they're like, right. no, nah, I watched the first one again. I'm like, but did you watch the other two again? <laughs> and they're like, no, yeah, I liked them. But remember, like, I just didn't like, you know, the Colonel Sanders shit and all that other stuff. And I'm like, but did you watch them again? And they're like, well, nah. And it's like, yeah, because they suck. Let's be real. <laughs> they suck. The thing is, is about this new Matrix, you know, there and back again or whatever the fuck it was called. It follows the same trend as the rest of the franchise. It went good movie or like, well, great movie, a good movie, just shitty. What the fuck is this? It's the natural progression of the franchise. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I guess it did. It's just going, just descending further and further down. I mean, it, I mean, I guess you have um, a point with that, but I don't know. No need to beat a dead horse, but I hope that what I said just kind of made some sense with it, it, it's, it, it, this shit is all about how it's utilized, man. And some people just think, yes, I do believe that there are just these greedy people in movie land, in Hollywood. And of course, this is about making money, right? So they go, oh, something familiar? People are going to be more open to it because that's just what humans do. We are going, if if it's, if it's something we're familiar with, if it's something that we've tasted before, if it's a person that we know, we are just going to probably be more open to those things. And that's what nostalgia is. Nostalgia is instant familiarity. And it's a and it's proven commodities and it's things that have been successful and have made money in the past. That is exactly what some of these Hollywood executives and some of these people are looking for when it comes to these movies and stuff like that. They want something with all of those things because new is sometimes scary. It's unfamiliar. It's uncharted territory. It's unknown. So you're taking a lot more risk. There's less risk with nostalgia. Um, So it makes sense to want to use that to get people in the door. But then you got to come with it, man. But then the credits start scrolling and you got to come with it, man. Your movie has to have something more than just some shit. I'm familiar with, you know what I mean? It's got to have more than that. There's also that weird trend somewhat recently too, about movies that are about nostalgia, like licorice pizza and the fable men and things like that, where it's just like, it's a movie about nostalgia too. Hmm. That's a weird trend that started to kind of have an uptick. Uh, Hmm. What was that other one? That one we did with the, that Gary Oldman movie where he was like the drunk screenwriter? Mink. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mank. 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 Yeah. yeah. Like, that's kind of one of those, too. It's just like, oh, remember those days? Which is why I think you're thinking you're not going to like Oppenheimer that much, right? Oh, God, no. <laughs> God. 
I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not looking forward to another Christopher Nolan movie where if you're not in a super IMAX that plays it at a film speed of exactly this with the sound tuned and equalized to this exact thing, <laughs> you're not seeing it how he meant it to be seen. Fuck off. Right. I don't like the pretentiousness of that shit. Cause you're saying your movie is only meant to be seen by like four people that can make it to that movie theater. Cause you made it for one single movie theater in the entire world. Knowing full damn well, the most people that are ever going to see your movie will be at home. <laughs> yeah. And then you want to complain that they didn't like your movie because they saw it on their 75 inch TV instead. I just, I, I don't have time for that shit. Plus Barbie comes out that weekend and that seems so fun. Like yeah. that, that movie seems so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, some more nostalgic shit, right? It does. Oh wait, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, but Oppenheimer seems so fucking like just, I don't want to say boring, but like, it just seems so heavy. It's such a heavy yeah. movie. Yeah. And then there's like Barbie just doing Barbie shit. Just being Barbie. And I'm like, that just seems so fun. And it's like. Yeah. And it looks like a fun take. Like, yeah, the Barbie nostalgic shit is there. Right. But, but I think. You, yeah. But I then saw it's also a lot a critique of, on it. Yeah. I saw a lot of fun, fresh ideas, though. And that's the kind of shit. I want to see done with nostalgia. Sure. You give, give me something familiar that I'm comfortable with that I can recognize. Great. That'll get me to look your way. But then show me some ambition, man, some creativity. Show me just a little bit more than, than, than just that, you know? Yeah. And then I'll be like, hell yeah. Oh, that's that's going to be such a weird weekend. Like watching both like Oppenheimer and Barbie. Like <laughs> it's just going to be a I weird would end it on Barbie, time though. at the movies. Man, yeah. you better do those a day apart. I would not do one after the <laughs> other on that. I would not do that. Going to be a weird fucking time at the movies. Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about nostalgia for today? We're probably we're probably going to do another one of these in a couple of years. It's a very fun topic for us. It's something that we, like I said, we've talked about it before, but we were talking about something different with it. It's just, it's one of those topics that I think lends itself to us specifically where, you know, Justin's about balance and I'm just like burn the old world to the ground. Who gives a fuck <laughs> anything made before 1994, just burn it. Even the shit I've already said I love, just burn it. Who cares? Just burn it all. <laughs> Let's act like it never existed at this point. Well, then what is Heather? Just just like some adventures in babysitting? I, th I think Heather's yeah. kind of more in the camp of she likes what she likes. She's, I'll take it. She's a little bit. She's like the balance of us. You <laughs> the know? balance of the balance. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Yeah. 
I mean, I definitely think I lean more, I lean more towards nostalgic than Sterling, but, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I'm just in the middle of you two with it. Per usual. I mean, that's, that's at least fairly easy to do. I think it's funny because like Justin's like trying to be in the middle of like nostalgia is good and bad. Like it depends, like balance. And like, I'm so far just the other way that like Justin being in the middle is an extreme from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause I was about to say, I don't think I have an yeah. extreme view of it. <laughs> That's the thing is I'm just so far the other way that you are an extreme point of view. Just saying like, yeah. hey guys, there could be a balance. And I'm like, fuck balance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's like, it. It's let's have extreme. a scale. And I'm like, let's melt the scale down. <laughs> but maybe oh, balance. And I'm just like, let's use the let's use the scale proportionately. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe the balance thing is an extreme view too, in a way. Just depending on how you look at it, you know, maybe I'm being extreme, not taking a side. I don't know. Compared to me, you are a nostalgia <laughs> fiend. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. None of us on here are very much like nostalgia all the way. It's the best. None of us are like that on here. So true. That's that's the difference because, yeah, you guys are very opposite ends of it, but it's still, yeah, there's still nobody that's on the complete extreme end of it than, than we are. You hear that, on here fans? Anyway. Heather is calling out all of you Space Jam fans. All of you. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly what it said, yes. Yeah. For sure. To me, that's what it is. <laughs> same same Any, difference for you. Anybody that likes Space Jam <laughs> is a nostalgia fiend. <laughs> <laughs> They mainline nostalgia like it's heroin. <laughs> that's that's how I view every single person that's like, man, you remember Space Jam, the good old days? That's just how you like assess someone's personality. You ask them, did you like Space Jam or not? And then you just decide from there what type of person they are. Yes. And they're that's either fair. a fiend or a reasonable person like me. <laughs> Damn. No, I totally get that, though. I mean, Space Jam is not Burger King. Burger King needs everyone's unwavering support. Space Jam doesn't need it, people. Burger King needs you. I need it more needs, votes. It needs it financially. Like, they're, they're closing businesses. They need people <laughs> to go there. This Don't is a very accurate that. statement, Don't Justin. listen to that. Don't listen <laughs> No, Justin, you want them to listen to me because if they do like Burger King, they'll maybe you King you'll to eat it more and keep it in business. <laughs> I'm trying to save Burger King for you, Justin. I'm trying to get more than seven people to go there every four years. Man, how come you haven't been in 20 years? <laughs> Why can't you just go back? Why can't you just go back and give your patronage to yeah, BK? I'm going to be the one thing that decides if Burger King is going to open or not. Yes, Justin. <laughs> it's just my decision. Her, her going back there and ordering one yeah. meal is going to be the difference in their financial collapse or not. One fucking meal being sold. Hey, man, I need to balance the scale, man. One, and I need to add one pebble at a time. And you could be the first pebble, Heather. 
You could be the yep. first BKW that we have. That's the problem, the Justin. Right side of the You're scale. trying to put pebbles on one side. And the people not going are boulders at this point. <laughs> the amount oh, of people why? not going are oh, boulders. Gosh. And you're just trying to put pebbles. Oh, man. What am I going to do with you? What am I going to do with you? Not go to Burger King. That's that's for <laughs> damn sure. <laughs> man, I hope you something happens. You knew it was coming. It. Man, I hope you something happens and you get amnesia. I'm going to try to convince you <laughs> that you just love. <laughs> so what you're try. saying, Justin, is the only way Burger King can survive <laughs> is if enough people get amnesia that they can be bamboozled into thinking Burger King is good. Because hey, they have I to have forget it my way. all other food exists. Hey, man, I got to have it my way. Jess is just telling Sterling, like... Yeah, food, the only food we have ever in the world is Burger King. <laughs> like, you want me to go into, like, a coma and wake up with amnesia and be like uh, Sylvester Stallone and Demolition Man so you can trick me into thinking that Burger King won the franchise wars so all restaurants are Burger King now. Yes. It's a very complex, um, you know, situation, but he's very committed to it. I would just have that theme on repeat while you were in the coma. I would just have that theme playing. <laughs> just on Jackson some singing for the you Burger King song. Epic, <laughs> have it your way. Um, you rule. So, Justin, um, since last week and this week, have you eaten Burger King? Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, just finish things up? On that <laughs> note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. For Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers podcast. For Twitter and Instagram, we're Cinema Slayers or Cinema underscore Slayers. At Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube, Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok. And yes, Justin just flipped me off because he knows I'm fucking right. That his ass still won't go eat Burger King, even though he loves it so damn much. Damn it. Give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, it'd really help us out. Uh, shout out to Plug Me Go and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers, because dear sweet mothers love... Nostalgia. Burger King. <laughs> There's no good answer here, I feel like. <laughs> Whataburger. Ah! <laughs> and uh, I'm that done says here. it all. That says it all. Mm-hmm. Just remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are both pro slut and pro Sydney. And you Cinefans out there are very much pro Whataburger. No, I'm going to have to hear that every week now. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. I might, I might, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see how I feel next week. And just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight, not Burger King, is the best picture winner. I did this to myself. I should have just kept my mouth shut. I think it's really kind of funny, though, 
that you promised, you obviously promised six other people sexual favors to get them to go online just to vote for Burger King. Because you know their asses weren't actually going on. They're going Burger King. You promised them something, Justin. You committed acts illegal for elections. He just like created seven different Facebook pages and like went and voted on each of them. Some burner accounts and burger accounts. <laughs> but he knew it was it was still that pointless to even keep doing it because he wouldn't overtake any of the other places. He'd have to make like 60 Facebook accounts to make well, it win. I had made seven of them and then just got hungry and went to Whataburger. I mean, uh, I mean, exactly. wait. he's like, yeah, I got to keep voting for Burger King. Man, I'm kind of craving Whataburger, though, after all these well, votes. Well, I have some Whataburger. <laughs> I would have I went to BK and wasn't open, though. Exactly. But, there, you know, it wouldn't have mattered if it was 4 o'clock in the morning or just a Tuesday. Whataburger's ready for you. Burger King can't even fucking open their doors for you, Justin. But Whataburger's so welcoming. Just they, wait till they get... Just wait till that remodeling's done. Those remodeled doors are going to be. <laughs> that store's finally going to be remodeled, you know, after humanity's done, after the earth has been sucked into the sun because it finally has expanded to the point that it has encompassed the earth. Burger King's doors will finally open. And that one person standing there going, man, I thought there'd be a line, just not realizing that all of humanity has ended because he's been in there by himself. Completely remodeling that Burger King solo. I hate you. Man, Heather, please buy Burger King. Please buy. <laughs> please buy BK. Well, I can't right now. It's like almost two in the morning. <laughs> she could go to a fucking Whataburger or McDonald's, though. <laughs> not, <gasps> not a damn Burger King. Those go, fucking go things close at 6 30. <laughs> Burger King open from 4 to 6.30 p.m. <laughs> Damn. One time when I looked up Burger King, the Yelp reviews, the the um, the um reviews came up for it, and the Burger King I was going to had one star. <laughs> and one star. Man, the highest rated <laughs> Burger King? I can't believe you found it. <laughs> That's like a <laughs> that's like an anywhere else five star for a Burger King. You know how we always say like a B is a horror movie A? Like a one star is a Burger yeah. King five. <laughs> I'm gonna shut up now. I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> they must have had a good experience if they even bothered to vote for a Burger King review. She said the best- was rude. Her order was screwed up, and then she went back around, and the lady got mad at her for wanting a different burger. She ruined it. You mean the best Burger King experience she's ever had? All right, it's almost 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm out. I'm sad. <laughs>